Welcome to the Moral Realms. Grab your hammer so you can clear a path through the chaos and forge your own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the realm this episode are... I'm Davey, and I'll fight you for a fistful of Urgold. This is Mal. I was going to come up with a clever pun, but I couldn't be nagashed. And I'm Eric, and I'm going to ask you a few questions. Mortal Realms is a podcast focused on the Age of Sigmar, a new fantasy battle game by Games Workshop. Our podcast is about maximizing the fun that we and anyone listening can have playing Age of Sigmar. We'll be discussing stories and fluff, hobby, gameplay and tactics, news in the community, as well as being a resource for new players. If you have a gaming event coming up, let us know. We want to be a support for anyone else who contributes to the AOS community. This episode, we're going to travel through the Realm Gate to Akshi, the Realm of Fire. We'll be following Hammerhand Campaign to track down Corgus Cole through the Brimstone Peninsula to change Vandis's destiny. We'll be covering uh, Born by the Storm by Nick Kime, which you can find in the first Realm Gate Wars novel called Warstorm, as well as the corresponding battle scrolls found in the Mighty Battles campaign book. Uh, we'll be talking about putting together some of the AOS terrain and getting more uh, actually terrain on our tables as well. How are you doing, gentlemen? Outstanding. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am also um, not uh, not doing too bad. Not doing too bad at all. <laughs> Great to hear from you guys again. Uh, yeah, it's oh it's uh, good to be back uh, and uh, getting ready for this episode. Um, an interesting thing for everybody listening, we've... Um, decided to theme some of our episodes around um, the stories that in, in specific realms. So uh, in the future, we may be hitting where multiple stories in a specific realm, but obviously we're called the Mortal Realms Podcast. We thought it was a really interesting take. Um, so this episode, we're just talking about Akshi. Um, so what have you guys been up to uh, since we recorded last? Uh, I've been doing a little bit of gaming, a little bit of gaming. Um, Got in some games which we'll talk about uh, later on in the show um, in the realm of Axie. Uh, Modeling-wise, not done a whole heck of a lot, but um, just uh, raring to go after uh, my participation in Games Workshop's Army on Parade, which we'll uh, we'll talk about later. Nice. How about you, Davey? Uh, I've been going through the trials and tribulations of rebasing cav bases, mm. uh, trying, trying to clip the cav bases off, and I use some kind of super glue suit uber duper glue and i can't get the models off so i'm clipping the bases except cav bases have all these ridges so it's uh it's not a lot of fun but it's uh paying off they're they're looking good on their ovals as i as i get there and it's actually now that i'm making some progress getting me motivated also i'm getting a few games and we'll, we'll talk about some of those in a little bit too so i've actually flipped uh where i was getting no hobby done for like months um and i got I don't know how, uh, maybe the, the little one's sleeping a little better, but just been getting a quite a bit of hobby in, um, when working on, I got my unit of skeleton archers, my wood elf skeleton archers, the guardians of the hollow glade. Oh, uh, I saw those on finished. Twitter. They look amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I worked, uh, finished up my, uh, Balefill realm gate going to Shyish, yeah. and I stole an idea for, um, the putting some spirit hosts inside of the kind of the do we know where you part. stole it from or is it just some nameless oh, I, schlub on? i don't it's uh I'll, it's some nameless schlub okay uh 
If this was your idea, let but us know. Somebody else was stealing it from there. So I think everyone is going to do it. So it's I'm not the first. I'm not the last. Um, but also, um, I think one of my hobbies has been Twitter. I've been uh, crazy on Twitter getting AOS uh, stuff out there, partially because um, I think it was uh, a couple of people from some other podcasts were looking in at the you know the Twitter sphere and going, I'm not getting any AOS stuff. I'm like, follow me. <laughs> I will get you some things. Uh, and uh, yeah, my... Uh, that that my tweet of the uh, realm gate's been pretty popular, so that got flown around quite a bit. Um, and then um, my next piece that I'm working on, that I'm digging into, is my casket of souls. Oh, I thought it was secret. Well, it's a casket of souls, but nobody, you, like, you don't. Nobody knows what I'm using. So every every unit in my army comes from a different um, realm or from a different um, race. So I'm not just using the VC stuff. Um, or the Tomb King stuff. So my casket of souls is going to be unique. Right on. Bless us. So it's like undead, undead um, dogs of war. I like it. I can't well, wait the, to see it. Oh, absolutely. One of, one yeah. of the um, latest, like in one of the first books, it was talking about how Nagash came up and he just reached out his his uh, his reach uh, throughout the eighth realms and just just everything that was dead rose up. And so um, some of the stuff doesn't work like the There's not elves yet in our story. So my, my glade guard don't quite work yet, but I think they'll probably show up later. Anyway. Yeah. One would hope. Anyway, that, that's what us. Let's, uh, let's take a look at what's going on with the community. The community phase. In the community phase, we talk about the news and events that are significant to Age of Sigmar. So a big event coming up is Wapaka. That is central Wisconsin in the middle of winter. Great idea. Uh, but they it's uh, international in the sense that we get folks from the UK. We get people from all of the states. We get uh, Canadians, all that coming in. And uh, with the big overhaul, they are actually going to be doing an Age of Sigmar event. They're, doing, uh, they're looking like a convention style. Um, so it's going to be uh, Thursday through Sunday or what they got up there. Friday specifically is their Age of Sigmar event. It's a it's a one day, four games, some custom scenarios being run by Chad, Chad Hansen. And uh, interestingly, they're using the SDK comp. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, it is uh, probably the most similar to Eighth Edition uh, point system that uh, exists out there. Um, for example, this one is going you take a you take a core uh, group of 750 points. And then two separate detachments, 250. You can swap those in. They're kind of like a sideboard. Like, let me take a look at who I'm playing, what it's going to be, what what the scenario is going to be, and then I'll pick what my 250 uh, is. Uh, 250 in this buys you about a unit of five chaos knights. So it's a relatively small event, and it should be able to get cracking get your four games in. Uh, what's interesting about this, and I don't know if you guys have. Uh, oh, I know Eric, you you don't, but I haven't I haven't gone away too much for any. Uh campaign weekends or or tournament weekends i am signed up for this um mm -hmm. and so then now i have between now and then uh which is uh january no yeah january 16th right? uh nope we're 29 january of 2016 i apologize 20. i read that wrong <laughs> so january 20th i have between now and then to come up with a really really great reason to be able to go Okay. All right. We'll, we'll help you build that up. But what I'm getting at here is this is using the comp system, and we're, we've seen a number of them out there. Azure, Clash Comp, SDK are some of the, the big ones. Uh, interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, what I do like about a lot of these systems, though, is that in this one in particular uh, for this event, uh, they're being implemented in a way that 
uh, still use this sideboard style of, uh, of event where you have the ability to take models from your collection. You're not using everything you brought. And I feel like that's kind of core to the Age of Sigmar. Like if you play right out of the book, you're doing that. You, you're, you've got your whole set of models there and you're deciding which ones are appropriate for this game. And so that's kind of a neat way of, uh, rather than saying, you know, here's what I'm bringing uh, and and I have no flexibility on this. You, let's do plug and play and maybe take some of the rock, paper, scissors out. I'm interested to see how that goes. Do you have any experience with any of those systems yet, Mel? Well, I was saying that the, uh, I think the, the real concern from my point of view would be is if the sideboard turns into the cheese board because um, <laughs> you know, and people and people have you know start trying to sort of make a get specific matchups based on what they see across the table from them. But I think you sticking to a, a, a solid comp system is going to uh, buy out a lot of that risk. Um, so in terms of my experience with the with those type of systems at zero um, but what I do have a little bit of experience of just basically based on, on reading the campaign pack is the well the way that um, Games Workshop themselves are doing it at their events um, over here in the UK they have um, a Age of Sigmar doubles event coming up on the 7th 8th of November uh, so I guess that's two weekends time from when we're recording uh, and essentially they, you know, the comp is uh, your team may bring any models they like to the weekend and may choose to use up to 100 of them in each game so so I guess there's a, a sideboard there in terms of uh, how much you can, stuff you can fit in your uh, in your your army case. Um, I think it's important to know this is going to be a campaign weekend, which is traditionally a bit more relaxed and fun and narrative driven. The they have just announced in fact that the tickets go on sale on the first of November. Their first Throne of Skulls um, for Age of Sigmar, and the campaign pack is not or wrong. The um, uh, the rules pack is not yet available for that, so I think it's going to be very, very interesting to kind of take Games Workshop's temperature um, on how they want to run their own um, quote-unquote tournaments going forward. But when when that campaign pack drops, but you know that's all I have to say about comp, etc. In terms of um, community phase stuff in general, we got a really nice email um, from a guy called Stuart Burnett who uh, got in touch just to say thank you very much for uh, for putting the podcast out. Um, it was you know. That was, I guess, the first kind of, I hesitate to say, um, fan mail. Uh, listener feedback is probably a better way of putting it. Um, that we that we um, got through uh, that particular email, which is uh, mortalrealm at gmail.com. And I just want to say thanks to Stuart for getting in touch. You know, we really appreciate all the um, the feedback that you guys you guys give us. Um, and keep it coming. Yeah, Over whether to you guys. it's coming in on whether it's coming in on Twitter or yeah. coming in on on uh, email, it's been awesome. Mal Mal holds the handle as we talked about the Super Cyber Squatter. Got the Mortal Realms uh, Gmail, so he gets to bask in the adoration uh over over there we 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 get it secondhand. But no, and the spam. We really, and the spam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh that might be my fault. I, I've been out of spite signing, signing you it up, up for <laughs> signing you up. Yeah. Like yeah, I'm sure there's 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 somewhere there's somewhere maybe it was in like the super secret realm of Slanesh where you are actually bathing in spam. There we go. Uh, now you're talking my language. So uh But no, thank you uh, everybody on Twitter who has been uh, downloading it, giving it a try, uh, giving us feedback and we take that very seriously. We've certainly got a kind of a trying to do something a little bit different. You know, hopefully we're succeeding, um, but every every bit of feedback uh, helps us uh, figure out where we're going. So, um, and one last thing, I guess I'll say too: this is another local event. That's a primer. Right. You talk about sometimes a primer for the Wapaka. So historically, Merry Mayhem been in uh, late November, early December. It's here in Madison, Wisconsin. 
if you're in the area and you're thinking about going to Wapaka, they historically have run as a primer. They don't have a setup yet, but they'll be at Pegasus Games on the 12th of December, 2015, and uh, they'll run their events. And when uh, Ben Cohn gets his information out about that, uh, we'll uh, we'll tweet it out or something like that. Yeah. But that's a nice way to get a look in at. Uh, a uh, little practice for Wapak if that's your thing. And it's very Christmas themed, yeah. which is a, a lot of fun as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, is this the one where the, is this the one where they have the um, the competition for the Christmas ham or the turkey or something? Like no, if you win, no, I know what you're talking about. That's a Californian thing, I think. Uh, although okay. I'm I'm about to get myself in trouble. But there's there's a battle for the Christmas ham. I think that might be a uh, a West Coast leadership two thing, and uh, I will stop my speculation there because it might be wildly off, but. Uh, <laughs> that's where I'm going with that. So. But thank you all for being uh, a part of things. Uh, send in any information you have on events. Um, we'll try and keep track of some of that stuff. Um, yeah. But if you want to send out something, we will. Particularly so. if it's got something that uh, some uh, something that they're doing that might be interesting to, to folks at large. If they're trying something different out, we'd love to we love to talk about it. Make sure everybody knows some of the different ways of approaching the game that are out there. Uh, I think we're going to tell you a little story now. How about that? The story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. So, uh, last uh, episode, we talked about um, the the first time the Stormcast entered to the realm of Akshi, their first um, fighting back against chaos. And this story, Born by the Storm, oh. <laughs> is a continuation of that story. Vandis, uh, after they, they gained their foothold around the, the Realm Gate of Azir, they pushed further. And Vandis was given a vision at the end of that story of um, Corgus Cole climbing to the top of his Pyramid of Skulls with uh, his head, a Lord Celestine's head, um, in hand, ready to capstone that. Uh, giving Corgus the ability to, to rise to demonhood. Yeah, you talk about your self-fulfilling prophecies as well. The only reason Corgus Cole gets away is because he has that vision. You know, Vandis has that vision, so it's a it's a it's a setup there. But yeah, so now we're we're carrying on with that storyline here. So we have, um, and it's interesting at the beginning of this, the first thing we hear or we read is Vandis being reforged. Yeah. So actually, you say reforged, and and I reforging i normally think about at that as like the stormcast has died and has gone back but vandis didn't die right so is he actually getting reforged what's what's going on so here? well it, it's yeah he so the first the first part of it uh, like the first couple of paragraphs are um him going through the process of reforging but it, it doesn't it doesn't really um play out any further than just sort of coming to the point saying yeah he is currently being reforged and then we get a kind of and so, then before, and we get a kind of shaky screen, and then fade back to what actually happened. Right. Oh. So it's it's a it's kind of like when you watch an episode of something, it gives you the end of the episode first, yeah. or kind of like you know three quarters of the way through, and you're like, oh crap! Or they're like in the heat of something. You're like, oh no, Vanis got reforged. Like you didn't see him die in the last part. Went right over my head. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like it's like Columbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's been reforged. So we know what we should have known, what we should have gathered from yeah. that is that at some point in the story, he dies. Okay. But then uh, we take it back to right after um, uh, the last uh, story and they've gone further into the uh, Brimstone Peninsula towards, um, what's their goal? They're going towards the Gate of Wrath yeah. that he saw in the vision, which yeah. is a, a realm gate that's direct portal to the Realm of Chaos. The Pyramid of Skulls. Yeah. And eight towers that circle that um, 
Red Pyramid, right? Yep. Yeah, Gator Wrath, yep. all those things combined. So they're they're moving towards that, um, and they've just kind of, you know, gotten so far, and and they're standing over top of some, you know, it's their first battle in the story where they fight some some blood reaper reavers and you know and that sort of thing. So they're talking. We get some good intimate stuff between Ionis and Vandis. Their kind of friendship and intimate that, stuff. Yeah, you know, bro stuff. Oh, all right. <laughs> fist pump, fist pump. That's <laughs> okay. No, yeah, I, some good fist bumping. That may be they, you know, it's, they, they haven't. It's important to note at this point that as as the story begins, they haven't split their folk their forces because yep. they at the end of Gates of Azir, they're kind of they're talking about the requirement that they're going to have to go off. Some guys are going to go and deal with the unholy wind farm of all the um, the, <laughs> the, the brass towers, um, and then Vandus wants to go and, and deal with the pyramid. So they they haven't quite got to that point where they've um, split ways just yet. And there was an interesting th- piece that I saw that I read in there, which. Can't be coincidence, but they're kind of talking a little bit about looking the distance and they, a mountain range, and they counted eight peaks. Mm-hmm. Now, we know from past the, the world that was mm-hmm. that there was a eight peaks that was very important. That, that could be a, a connection, Carrick Eight Peaks, uh, that we could be going. I, my, my reading of that was that Corn uh, was looking, looking around or that his fathers were looking around like, hey, you know, where are we going to set up that's going to be you know, super awesome. And, oh, here's eight mountains. Right, like, so Corrin's yeah, yeah, yeah. magic number is yeah, eight. Yeah, so. Eight is yeah. a magic number. <laughs> All right. Maybe maybe that's why Carrick ate pizza was in so much trouble back in that old <laughs> It one. just, yeah. it was doomed from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. All right, so then the yeah, next, crazy. so the next thing we, um, we run into is, um, so they're in the heat of this battle. They're mm-hmm. fighting. They're trying to keep everybody together, but it's not totally working. They're getting... You know the the stormcast ranks, the hammer hands are getting a little far flung, um, and we see our first demons coming into play. Yeah. So, oh wait, hang on. Before before that, though, there's some funny stuff for the okay. uh, like so part of the uh, the names of some of these characters. I have it written down in my notes here that the um, the, her, the at this point in the. Um, when the book came out, there were some models that hadn't been released. Um, so this was our first time we ever really saw the, um, for example, the the Heraldor, right, um, yeah. other than being in the um, the original book. So the, the kind of the trumpet um, player for the, the Stormcoat. And they, this guy's called Laudus Sky Thunder. So, but it literally is loud as Sky Thunder. It's so, <laughs> so lazy. <laughs> um, but, but never mind. I just, I picked up that. I thought it was kind of funny. But um, yeah, the, there was, uh, demons and uh, kind of apparitions that we were talking about again you know we talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago and I, I still don't really understand how the um how all this kind of magic-y stuff is deal is squared with with corn being so anti-magic and this seems almost like a kind of um shyish realm of death thing that's going on where almost they're tormented by the the apparitions of their um of their friends their family their their wives and stuff and then and then yeah. they become demons but the, the demons that they turn into yeah, I, I I thought blood letter, but then later on in the story, as we'll see, they specifically re- um, reference the fact that a blood letter is arriving, and that seems like a much bigger deal as a result of a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't, I, I don't know, are these lesser lesser demons of corn that are coming on, or what? What do you guys think? I read them as blood letters. I think later they get uh, the unfortunately named blood crushers. Uh, I maybe that was maybe that was the uh, distinction, but. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I read them as, as blood letters. Maybe maybe the, the the less beefy blood letters. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and to the addressing the magic. Obviously, I mean, we're in a we're in the age of Sigmar. 
there's some opportunity here to maybe rewrite a little bit um, of how corn operates. And the models we've seen so far and, and that sort of stuff is more of a priest uh, kind of prayer, praying, right? Um, we've heard the Blood Reavers doing a lot of uttering, mm-hmm. right? And and it's always in sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. It's much more of that kind of, um, I mean, we can call it magic, right? Um, but they're, it's it's the communing of, with their God kind of thing. And so I think that's where, you know, the, when they get in that mist and there's, you know, demons coming out, there's chanting, right? Yeah. They hear, and it's, so it's much more of like, you know, evil um, priests, um, you know, kind of calling forth things from chaos. And, and those utterances can really bring some pretty heavy hitters out of it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then it's the sacrifice, the letting of blood all over the place. And then yeah. we'll hear more about that later. Semantics too. for the semantics, God. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just pointing out. <laughs> wait, there's, it's not like we can throw away 35 years of, oh, no, wait. Oh. <laughs> um. Anything else uh, before we get into introducing our our, our next Celestint? Well, so at uh, this point yeah, here... Go ahead, Davey. Sure, yeah. Right here, Vandis, uh, I want to get back to this, especially when we start talking about the next Lord Celestint, but Vandis finds himself overextended, like he's he's going and kicking butt, and uh, all of a sudden he looks at me and he's like, whoops, I got way too far ahead, and I guess I'm going to have to sell myself dearly. And uh, you guys who paid attention and realized that he was going to die at some point in this story might have thought he was going to die. I was like, nah, he's cool. <laughs> well, uh, what, this was cool is that his um, his uh, retinue kind of yeah. came back around him yeah. because his armor just glowed like a beacon. Yeah, yeah for sure. Which was pretty badass. It, it was cool, but uh, I'm, I will, will, uh, I'll make reference to this in a, in a little bit. But we uh, this is also, if you want to replay this particular chapter, this is the hold or die scenario. We'll talk about that more when we get into the campaign phase. Cool. Do you have anything else on Chapter 2, Raw Wounds there, Mel? I was going to say that I thought there's a couple of interesting things where they talk about the um, the blood rage that, that is affecting the the, the bloodbound is also leaking into the Strongcast Eternals as well because oh, yeah, you, totally. you can you know, you can you definitely get the impression the reason that Vanda's got so far ahead was that the um, he, he he just the, the blood rage was on him and then when they, they get to the chieftain who uh, who he sort of pit, Cal, his his, his Dracoth pins him down and he's just he's like right so what's happening is Corgos Cull still alive he's interrogating this guy and he so he was halfway through explaining what was going on like the the, the chieftain was and then Calhoun actually just bites his head off yeah so and then he, and then he's just like yeah good Dracoth good good boy good boy <laughs> and I'd be, I'd be super pissed I'd be like, you know, idiot and like, he was just just about to tell us for a Corgos Cull was and then you ate his head nice one yeah there's even a moment where Vandis had to like kind of choke down the rage. he's like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke this guy right now and so he got himself under control but he forgot he was riding a Dracolith yeah we, we definitely get a lot of personality out of uh, the Stormcast um, as we're introduced getting introduced to new characters I mean they're as human as they come right they're having they have human emotions um, and they are affected um, by rage so you know you our first impression of the Stormcast is that they're these holy warriors. They're kind of above the fray, you know. They're they're masked um, so that they just look emotionless. Um, but you know, there's a lot of reference to being able to kind of see beyond the mask, see beyond that to, to what the, what emotions were going on, the feelings that were going on. Um, and if we talk now about uh, the in in chapter three, then we get introduced to the Lion Mane, and this is Thostos. No, no. That's Thalsa's Bloodstorm is who you're thinking of. Jack the Yactos. This is Jackdos. Jackdos. Correct. Hactos. Um, it'd be good if I had that note right here. In my head. <laughs> uh, so Yactos and the, the Lion. The is silent. And, oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> and these guys are also 
part of the hammer, um, hammers of Sigmar. Right. Yeah. I so kind of overlooked that the, the same first time gold through, right? with yep. just the blue pauldrons and the, and whatnot. So there, but it's a, it's a different Celestin. Um, I get the distinct impression. This is, this is the junior varsity. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have a Drakoth, man. Nope. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, he's the, the, the Lord Celestin on foot with hammer in one hand, sword in the other hand. Um, and he is definitely a little burned that Vandis is the first. Um, and so that, that, um, the jealousy, um, again, kind of going back to these are human beings inside of these, uh, suits of armor, um, definitely gets him, but you can also see in his, his tactics, he's a little bit kind of, uh, careless, a little more right. careless, a little more, yep. um, zealous. Um, so, well that, and, uh, one thing with the Stormcast is although, and, and at first I was thinking this is their first time fighting ever, but they did have to clear the wilds of Azir, like the, the celestial realm they had to, so some of them have seen combat and earn, earn names, uh, based on their, their, uh, actions back in Azir. Now, some of them have missed out on some of that. And so you have someone like Goldenmane who hasn't hasn't been blooded like the other guys as heavily. And so he has more to prove and he has less experience with which to prove it. And that's going to, that's going to cost him here. Yeah. You know, it's going to end badly because the story sets Jack us up as being impetuous anyway. And he's now, you know, and he's then looking for a way to avenge himself because of the, he screws up the, um, the, the ambush that he finds himself in. Um, and now, you know, when, when he had, when, um, you know, I guess we we kind of skipped over it, but you know, his his uh, retinue are marching marching along, and then they get they get attacked from two sides by some bloodbones, um, and I think maybe a, a, a ravening pack of Korograths. Yeah, they get, they, they fall into a trap, yeah. and they get you know they kind of pull into a ravine, and then they get you know cut off. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's and, and then and uh, Vandis and his guys come and rescue them. Uh, and so obviously that just heaps the shame on uh, onto onto Yaktos, and he's well, so he's super pissed. And his men are the, are start shouting or chanting Vandis, Vandis, Vandis. Yeah, you know, so just <laughs> like that's got to hurt. That's yeah. got to sting a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But Vandis is definitely from the beginning has the you know like he's already got um, almost a legend within on the Stormcast. Maybe because I mean he was the first one. They talk about he's the first to to tame a Drakoth. Mm-hmm. Right, so there had to have been some trials, some things that were happening beforehand that, like you said, gave them some uh, credibility with their men, right, or and women. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna assume that there's Dear some eyes. women. Yeah, Stormcast. <laughs> one one thing I I liked in this chapter, you know, we talked about that reforging. Got a glimpse of it at the start of the book, but you've got uh, you've got a Stormcast who's who's down. He's impaled on some talent that's not letting him die all the way, and uh, the uh, they come and take a look at him like, oh, we're going to have to put this guy out of his misery. And so we're about to do that. And he's, he says, wait, will I die? What will become of me? And so, uh, and the Yaktos or Jaktos faltered. He had no answer. None knew what it meant to be eternal. So the stakes are a little higher than I realized. You know, the, it's one thing if you're like, ah, if I get smoked, then, you know, I'm going to teleport back home. It's cool. These guys don't know for sure what that's going to be. And, and we do find out later that there's a, there's a cost, you know, that kind of yeah. develops. But uh, that, that kind of, that was a useful moment for me to, to realize that, you know, it, if you don't have the, the easy reset button, uh, or at least you're not sure whether you have one or not, that, that makes the, uh, the stakes higher in those fights. Well, the interesting thing here too, that, that this, um, the story kind of, I, I do think more than, um, just in the battle scrolls that we're going to talk about later, they do give you some sense of what they think about 
as far as gameplay to these stories. Like um, here, Ionis has split apart and he has his own um, group of Stormcast, mm-hmm. you know, um, retributors and uh, adjudicators and retributors and so on and prosecutors. So this kind of idea of heroes with their own kind of groups that they, you know, bolster in different ways. So, you know, when you're on the table, like I'm thinking about like, okay, this hero, like sometimes you're trying to find a hero that synergizes with the whole army. But what if you just have a hero, they synergize with this group and this hero over here synergizes with that group kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That kind of just kind of going back to the table a little bit was kind of cool. But so, but they have split apart. So Ionist dealing with some, some, they've been just every, every corner they turn, they're getting hit by, you know, battle. And they're dealing, like you said, they're told that they're eternal, but what does that mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, they're, they're every single one of them's a leap of faith. So they have to, you know, yeah, they have to, you know, just like mortal men have to have a little bit of faith as well. So. Right. Yeah. I guess from narrative otherwise, yeah. Like you said, Davey, it wouldn't work because they just be going berserk and they wouldn't care. So yeah, good call. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we move on to chapter four there. We got, uh, was it's it? hilarious. And take her skulls. Yeah, Cole, Cole oh, basically wakes so, up. So <laughs> I'm imagining like a ball pit. Yeah, <laughs> only instead of balls, it's skulls, and he just pops up in this like his big icon on his back, and then uh, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty hilarious that he's just been trampled, and he wa- he managed to survive, and he wakes up, and he's like, "What?" So yeah, I got, so for the for the listeners at home, this is uh, Corgus Cole, and he he just he yeah he comes to and he's he's squished into the uh, into the into the the mud in uh, in the Brimstone Peninsula, having been smashed um, at the end of uh, Gates of Azir, uh, and yeah, we're all laughing because it is pretty funny. Do you guys want to want to talk about what happens next? Oh, he wakes up. Uh, is it, this is where he's got some people kind of creeping up, and they're like, "Oh, look this this guy's dead." Uh, yeah. So some of the blood know. reavers are like scavenging. Yeah, right. They're kind yeah. of picking over the dead, and they see him down there, and like, "Oh, little little bit of fine cuisine." Lunch. Kind of a kind of a rare thing to well, get to chow down on a mighty lord of chaos. So. <laughs> we think we could take him. Yeah, and yeah. Well, then he wakes up. And like, beef. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, and he he wakes up and and some of them actually don't run right away which obviously was a bad move so i think at that point you might be you might be in trouble either way because you run in the eyes of corn you're in trouble well and he even has his his flesh hound is a little doubting too like because it talks a little bit how like okay so he's failed corn Mm -hmm. right is he in favor anymore that's Mm -hmm. his question in his head and his his flesh hound comes and is maybe even looking to take a bite out of his head but he manages to um wrestle him and he, uh, there's some internal dialogue yeah. between him and Corn, and the the Chaos Hound, um, or the Flesh Hound, is like, okay, I recognize that you're favored, right? And kind of submits again. So okay. that actually makes sense. Yeah, if they they say, hey, this guy lost, like maybe we can take him, like because yep. not only did he lose, but now maybe Corn's like, ah, I'm done with this yep. guy. So, but him and his yeah. uh, Flesh Hound get up, kill all those guys, yeah. and then he just uh, he they call it um oh what is it from Breaking Bad the fugue state. Oh yeah, they, they they reference that he walks back to his throne in a fugue state of just destruction. Yeah, so he's like not even like conscious, and he's just killing everything, like blood reavers and and uh, you know blood warriors in his path, and just get out of my way. I'm getting back, you know that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So he makes the journey on foot, mm-hmm. and somehow beats them there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> beats yeah, beats yeah. the hammer hands. Well, there. I didn't have to. Well, I guess he does kill everyone on the way. I don't but know. yeah, he may Maybe. have had a little easier <laughs> yeah. of a journey. Yeah. 
a wizard did it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Actually, hey. a wizard is going to do it a little bit later, but we'll see. So, um, so he makes it back to his throne room. Same yep. kind of thing. His his um, Gortide is there waiting for him. He gets some challengers. He beats mm-hmm. them into submission. He's you know he's yep. back on top again. Yeah, but there's a yeah. So, so this is all. There's kind of like a couple of parallel story threads running here. Um, but there's some really interesting stuff going on. I guess it's the next chapter. Yeah. But with um, with Ionis particularly, um, yes, and some some strong internal dialogue between him and who do you guys think it is? <laughs> <laughs> this is this was pretty cool. Yeah. Like um, I was pumped that it went there. Yeah. Because I mean that's. So the what is a Lord Relictor, right? We don't know that much more about this, but they're certainly kind of a they're the priest mm-hmm. of the Stormcast, right? And they call upon this call upon the storm, but there's definitely already been alluded to that that he comes from Shyash, that he's was somebody um raw, you know, stolen from from Nagash. Um and so here, yeah. And it it's cool that Ionis is so important. Mhm. That Nagash reaches out and pulls his consciousness into court. Yeah, yeah. And the specific quote you're telling there's a a tithe is owed, a tithe shall be given, a soul for a soul. Uh, yeah, and he calls and he calls him by his um, by his his given name. Um, so Eonid Vendenst, which is a very kind of uh, Sylvanian from the world that was kind of sounding name, yeah, very yeah. very death magic heavy. Um, interesting, very interesting. I felt. Yeah, and so he plays with him a little bit. He shows him his wife, and Ionis. Oh, there's a part where he gets like stripped down to his former self. He's not in his armor and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it's just Nagash playing with his head. Um, you know, he tries. He's his soul is born, and um, but there's, there's a deal. There's mm-hmm. something that Nagash has over him that that Ionis owes him. Yeah, well, and Ionis says, "You promised, right? You promised that in death would be reunited." Presumably, talking about his wife in there. And uh, Nagash is saying, you know, you you uh, shouldn't have betrayed me, turned your back on me. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if he died and was meant to be reunited, but yeah. but um, uh, Sigmar stole him. Yeah, yeah, that's a that was leads into my next question for you guys, which was how. So I can understand Nagash being able to get round all the realms because ultimately everything dies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how did how did Sigmar get into Shyish to steal um, to steal Eonid Vendens to turn him into Ionis? Like that's it's just it's crazy that um, that Sigmar has his, his fingers in all the pies, and you can just imagine. I thought it was really interesting that kind of these celestial beings. So Sigmar battling Nagash in a kind of in a by proxy to saying that I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your best guys, yeah, and then that's obviously how it's all it's all gone wrong. Setting it up for I think that we again we talked about it before. I think that Ionis is going to be a real key character going forward. I think I fi- I personally find him far more interesting than Vandas. Yeah, and uh, and it's interesting. I I feel like he's got a there's there's going to be it'll be cool to see what his backstory is about how he became a Stormcast Eternal because some of them you know a lot of the other ones you read like. Uh, if they, you know, if the last thing they did before they died was call out for Sigmar's help to like smite their enemies, then he snapped them up. But it feels like it feels like Ionis was a more deliberate or a more uh, I know there's more to it than that, like a, a more more thought, like key to his plans. Yeah, exactly. So interesting. And actually, uh, you got to figure Nagash has got some serious serious issues with uh, Stormcast in general because they keep 
they keep going back to his ear. So he's got all these, you know, he talks about a soul for a soul, but there's, there's more than just one. There's a lot that he should be snapping up and they keep, they keep getting out. So, and I wasn't sure if he was asking specifically mm -hmm. for that, that soul to be owed to him to mm -hmm. be a Stormcast soul. Yeah. Like somehow get uh, into those souls. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah. I, and I wasn't sure if I almost would like betray Sigmar for that. Yeah. Not. But so far, no. Now I'm going to back us up because okay. this moment happens at the worst possible time. Mm -hmm. um, Nagash pulls him out of consciousness at the worst possible time in the midst of battle mm -hmm. because Ionis and his um, team, Team Ionis, are um, sieging a breast tower, the first breast tower, mm -hmm. um, and they've been caught. So we'll go back because to, to where this moment is because there's a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. So they get to this, they, they see this tower and they're like, well, how are we, how are we going to approach this thing? Right? It's, can't, they're going to see us miles away. Yeah. So he calls up a storm, but not a storm up in the sky, a storm along the ground that mm -hmm. just barrels towards it. And obviously, the Blood Reavers on 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 watch see it. The woods of Dunsinane are rocking in here. <laughs> storm of Dunsinane, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and so they get up close. But then they're sitting and looking at this thing. And first, nobody comes out to greet them. Yeah. Because they're all they're all drunk though, aren't they? Like yeah, they yeah, it was actually like, it took one guy like three times to pick up his axe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, we, I don't, I don't know what the kind of fermented, uh, yeah. like what 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 they are drinking, but it's pretty nasty. Like they, yeah. so they're they're all kind of lying around, all messed up. And I suppose like, why would you like if you're if you're they're on guard duty on the brass tower and yeah. you know that you've pretty much smashed up everything <laughs> in, in the whole realm? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah they're they're just. Uh, yeah, what do they? Well, what do these guys? You know, they must be like mega into their blood sausage and yeah, blood beer, <laughs> and blood burgers. Yeah, blood <laughs> what do you guys have? Some like black pudding or something, right? Is that is oh, that black it? pudding's tasty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It really is. Um, do, you, do you eat eight of them every time? Is that? I, I'm, I'm, al yeah, I'm almost <laughs> certain that the. Uh, the Food and Drug Administration would completely outlaw it in the United States. Um, I'll send you some. If it right. uh, get, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll get ferment on the way, way, and I'll get to get drunk Blood Reaver style. So, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's some interesting um, things that I almost can't quite figure out that yeah. are surrounding the the brass tower. Um, they look like tree stumps. That's what he calls them. So they, you know, cylinders coming out of the ground. They look like they've been hacked off. Um, and so he's he's sitting there trying to figure it out, but all of his men are seething off of this blood rage, like it's affecting them. They want to charge. They want to beat the walls down. They want to kill everything inside of it. And he's telling them to wait, but he also doesn't, he's like, I, he's not putting the pieces together. Yeah. I got a bad feeling about this. And so, um, some of the prosecutors rush for it, I think first. And yeah, the prosecutors, they just, every time they just remind me of the Hawkmen from, from, from Flash Gordon. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> It's like so impetuous, die! Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, and they die easy, so that's tough. Um, and they get close, and he realizes that these are vents. Um, I don't, I don't know the mechanics of this, so they're vents. And so a wizard did it. Don't worry about it. A yeah. wizard did it. Um, but so something's under the ground, you know, and steaming out, and then just blood sprays up through the dirt. Yeah, like not through the vent itself, but just through the dirt. And so it's just like this wall of blood. Yeah, and it's streaming so hard that it just shreds the armor of the of the stormcast that run up into it yeah and if you want to do this in your game we'll talk about that in time of war so. well it does and, yeah. and i honestly you know it does seem uncorn like to have like traps yeah but 
there they are. But if they're blood traps, <laughs> they're blood traps. Yeah. <laughs> blood traps. Yeah. I hear this is. Have you, have you guys ever? Uh, the um, when I was kind of like, how does this work? But then I figured if if you have a like a power washer at home to do yeah, the uh, exactly to the patio, <laughs> and like if you if you get that on your foot or even on like the um, like if you have a crack in some paintwork, it'll strip it right off. So yeah, yeah. The, the, there's the, well. The, here's what the, I was the, thinking: the blood pressure washer. Maybe it's not a trap at all. Maybe it's just maintenance for brass towers, <laughs> right? It, it it sprays the walls clean, yeah, and it uh, it's like a sprinkler system. Yeah. It's irrigation, dual purpose. Yeah, so yeah. it and, just happens to also cut stormcast in half. <laughs> yeah, and you can, and then if you get thirsty, you can drink from it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so um, not only that, um, but then uh, in the distance, so they they he so Ionis calls down a bolt of lightning and it. Um, the reason that, uh, so gosh, I'm out of order here. What had happened was that these skulls, these gargoyles on the tower start singing, mm. chanting, whatever. And that's when the, the blood sp- sprays out of the earth. And so he calls on a lightning bolt, destroys one of those gargoyles and that ceases it. Mm. And so then he makes some, uh, some comments, um, Holy grail style. To the people over the oh, tower, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, the, yeah, you're. Uh, oh, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm failing big time with my Monty Python knowledge. Call you guys. <laughs> quote, quote it. I, I want to keep saying your mother was a snowblower, but that's yeah, short circuit. She <laughs> smells of elderberries. Is that what? It, uh, I don't know. And so instead of throwing cows, laser raid. <laughs> instead of th- throwing cows over the side or catapulting cows over the side, uh, there he. Ionos is like they're idiots. They're easily goaded, and they yeah. come rushing out. And so then they're they get into battle. Stormcasts are doing great, mm-hmm. uh, but then some sort of like uh, um, cloud of of dust is coming over the the ridge. And oh, uh, uh, but yeah, before we get to that, because it's it's important that we we refer, we signpost it now. That what Ionis does right there, um, as Davy called it earlier on, is directly um playable in the scenario that this relates to when we get oh, yeah. onto the uh the uh the, the, the how to do this in the game which is the, the, yeah yeah the command ability for the watchtower yeah um, this but we'll is come the watchtower back to scenario playing out yeah. right here so cool. again you can you can replay this book yourself <laughs> <laughs> so uh so from the so the blood the gore tide are getting reinforcements and he sees them from a distance, and it is um, blood crushers, mm-hmm. um, blood letters on top of uh, crushers, juggernauts, juggernauts. Yeah. Sorry, um, charging towards the space, yep. and it's as this is happening. That's right when um, that's when he gets yanked gets out. Gets yanked the, out. Yeah. Con- his consciousness. I'm gonna have a chat with Nagash right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, bad timing. <laughs> and uh, he comes back out of it. Yeah. Um, he kind of you know cuts Nagash off. He finds the power to come back. Um, and uh, see, holds on to the power of Sigmar and uh, says, where are the demons? <laughs> where are they? Just as they're just smashing into their ranks and, yeah. and the, the Stormcast that are there just don't know what to hit them. Yeah. Pretty cool you know, battle there, trying to take down a couple of those uh, juggernauts. I, I do like, uh, visually I like the idea when, when Stormcast are, are taking heavy casualties, you have all this lightning just like rippling through their lines, arcing up. Yeah. And so you have this, you have this visual of like, Oh wow! Like here's this, you know, lightning. I'm still trying to figure through. out how to make that appear on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. Like, can I just electrocute the table? A little Model bit? it. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you you, you can imagine you, it's a it's a kind of real cinematic idea that you can see and also if you're seeing that huge ripple of lightning you know things are not going well for there should be lightning tokens like just lightning when you take casualties and do the before you do battle shock tests there should just be couple of lightning so, so uh, real real quick aside here i actually i went to uh i went to um, a nightclub and saw it was outdoors it was um it was um when i was on vacation and um we uh went to see um avici play um in, oh. in this kind of big outdoor show yeah and they had um they had this guy and he was basically wearing um like a full suit of chain mail <laughs> and he was standing he was standing on top of like it was on a, on this little tower but it basically it had like a metal grill that he was standing on it was all nice. insulated from the ground Sandy. and underneath it had this um like fo- uh, almost like a van de graaff generator you remember those um i feel like i may have told you this story before but anyway the um and and what they would do is they, they, they charged up the voltage on the plate really really high and then he was dancing around and the electricity was sparking off into the air from him from his suit wow. Um, so he looked. He looked exactly like I would imagine a um, a strong cast of terms would look when they're being reclaimed by Sigmar. <laughs> nice. It was, it was it was crazy. And I was like, this is this is nuts. And I don't know what would happen if someone had thrown a beer can at him or something. That would be <laughs> but, I don't. Um, is, it, is aluminum conducted? Uh, it doesn't no. doesn't matter. Okay, it, it was it, it was, was funny, funny when you were just asking the question. <laughs> would it be cool? So oh, sorry. <laughs> No, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so yeah, so the yeah, so the I, I kind of I, you you could you could do it, but it would involve um, spark yeah, getting some serious voltage underneath your table. And I think you'd probably end up burning your house down. Yeah. <laughs> so how do they get out of it? I know they take down a blood crusher. Uh, they take down one of the. Um, they take down one of the juggernauts. They like you know just bashing its leg and taking out its leg and that sort of stuff and kill it, and then does. I honestly do another prayer. Well, at the same time, uh, Skullbrand, Threx Skullbrand is making oh. showing up top. So he's oh, opened yeah. the portal scrolls and it turns all this up into super turbo mode. And <laughs> it's it's looking super bad. Yeah, up to 9,000. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and meanwhile, they still need Ionis to snap out of it and, and come back to him. Uh, this is this is where he uh, managed to call down lightning onto the... So he, he dives to the back. Yeah. Hands and knees. Yeah. Uh, he takes his icon, puts it in the ground, prays to Sigmar, and a huge lightning bolt comes down, but it's not targeted at Threx. Yeah. It hits the base of the tower, and the tower just collapses yeah. on top of it. It cuts out. It kind of like the frequency changes on the on uh, Threx's icon, and that <laughs> dissipates. Um, the demons, the blood crushers that were, are there go away. They get yeah. unsummoned. Is that right? Is that the right terminology for that? They they lose they Banished. lose some of their yeah. Um, and then uh, and but Threx is nowhere to be found. He doesn't yeah. see him, so he doesn't know if he got buried. So that uh, that relictor D three mortal wounds prayer. That's uh, it's pretty beefy, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's so. Th- and Threx, we mentioned him briefly. Um, so he's the the um, blood secretor. Yeah, which is a priest. See a priest. Yeah. Um, he he doesn't have the priest keyword, oh, okay. but uh, they do describe him as a priest. Yeah, yeah, so he kind of treats him like that, and so he's the he's the standard bearer. He's mm-hmm. the icon bearer, and um, in the game, when you go and you plant um, icons, um, often they provide a um, area of effect, yep. and so that's really what he does. And it's pretty moody, like very characterful yep. area of effect that he yeah, does. Yeah. Um, and so um, Ionis is, you know, what Sigmar sent them to do is to destroy these brass towers, mm-hmm. and so. Um, Ionis and Vandis split because Vandis wanted to go after the the 
the watch, um, Red Pyramid, the Gate of Wrath, yeah. and the the Red Pyramid. Um, and so, but Ionis completed his first task, first tower. Yep. Awesome. Now there's only seven left, so it's Nurgles, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're all poxed. Yeah. Yeah. The the to- the um the, those brass towers are, are they have um they talk about that each one of them provides like a link to the um the gate of wrath at the middle at the center of it, which I'm sure we're going to come on to. And the but the, the the linkage between each like there was chains between each of the towers and the gate of oh, wrath. Yeah. But the, yeah, the, cha- cool. the chains are made from ba- like like pure evil deeds rather than any kind of like sort of um corporal uh metal or element which i thought was kind of yeah um really um throwing back to this this idea that it's almost like you know in the warp things are you know emotions become real and there's so much crossover between sure. the warp and mortal space in in actually because you know ultimately we're talking about actually here and i think the um it's a it's it's a realm the realm of fire which ultimately well originally may not have been too bad a place because we we, we talk we we hear that this is where the duarden hung out and they had all their forges and things and I, I don't imagine that there was too many um blood pressure washers under the ground when the when they were kicking around <laughs> right, right but the point being is that because corn is because is in this in the ascendancy in this area the the veil between the realm of chaos and the realm of fire is becoming thinner and it's it's becoming more chaotic and that's what we're seeing here yeah it's saturated with that cornate energy yeah yeah cornate energy i also (laughs) wanted in the book um and this is interesting for kind of conversation around the gameplay and seeing weird formations on the table um there's a part where they're at this breast tower and Ionis has them uh, form uh, a specific formation where the the um, liberators form a shield wall, and the retributors form a line to kind of so the the shield wall takes the first break, and then a line of retributors kind of rush out between them, and so and what they reference it as the hammer formation, and basically that from the skies the prosecutors would look down and look like a hammer, so like a a block of of um, liberators and then a, a row of um, retributors behind them but able to kind of squeeze between them and get out um, and so just interesting how they they do reference a few tactics and they do that a little bit in earlier too in uh, vandis and when they kind of form the shield wall but it's kind of angles in um like is, a v um, is then, that what they call the sigma rund formation i wrote that down in my i, I, I wrote it down because i was like what the heck is this yeah. sigma rund formation but in my head that was, it was yeah in my head when i'm you're thinking, just making up words now is that just possibly and i mean and this may be you know i should whatever. work for games workshop this is amazing <laughs> but i'm wondering if any of the play testing skulls more skulls where, where people are playing these games and they're finding formations that work like in the play test like before they release the game if there's some things that end up working and then they made their way into the stories mm-hmm. you know what i mean i'm just yeah. curious no, if some of that totally. stuff kind of bled through into this so um, but there's all been a conversation on Twitter about weird formations and, and conga lining, uh, which is a carryover. Like, would that actually happen? Would would armored men actually form this line in conga, you know, toward a battle, you know, that sort of stuff. And so just, just interesting. Um, where do we go next? So towers top. Oh, it's, it's, go ahead. Yeah, it's back to, um, it's back to Corgos, isn't it? He's, um, he's sharpening his ax on, um, on an orc skull, right? Right. Um, Actually, I think that's. Yeah. I may have jumped ahead because I think that's where the, he calls up the. He oh, he's true. kind of sitting there brooding. He um, 
that's where he kind of kills a bunch of his uh, um, followers who Red are challenging Dawn, him. Yeah. Um, and takes enough lives, sheds enough blood that it... Um, actually, no, is that... Sorry. Well, because he, he checks in twice, like chapter four, chapter six. Because um, this is where he's... There's enough blood on the ground yeah. that... Um, something comes out of it. So I, you know, we have written down blood crushers. Yeah, but, that was uh, the blood crushers. So, yeah, but so that's blood thirst. That's them arriving in chapter chapter six. Is where yeah. is where they is where they arrive. Okay. But then, but, but then it's it, so we're we're in chapter nine. He's sitting in his 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 throne room. And so I guess he's so this is okay. um, because he because uh, Cole is at the is at the gate of wrath, uh, or and the and Threx is at the brass uh, is at the um, Okay, uh, yeah, the first brass towers. So they're kind of they're 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 separated um, in space, and he's and he's Cole is um, is sharpening his axe on a on an or, on an Oruk skull because that's the only thing that's hard enough to sharpen this axe, um, <laughs> which cuts a hole in reality. Which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. A nice little shout out to the uh, to the Oruks there. But then he freaks out and he real he's, he's brooding and he realizes that all the all the, the skulls he's taken are, are are no good and he needs a, a champion and he has all these banners that he's stolen from from his um, from his vanquished enemies hanging up around his room and then he just goes around and he, he tears them down. It's, so I, I made me kind of think about like a rock star trashing a hotel room. It's like <laughs> no, this is a, this is all bullshit. Um, My trophies he, are all plastic. Just, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm gonna throw this Oruk skull out the window. Uh, yeah. So, um, and, and then, but the, but he, he this is this is where it leads into his fight with uh, Yaktos. So yeah, um, Yaktos and um, Vandis have separated, and mm -hmm. their plan is to take two routes to the to this tower to the throne. And uh, but Yaktos again in his overzealousness to kind of show up, Vandis moves too quickly. Vandis is. Uh, crew are, are kind of left in the dust a little bit and they kind of try and pick up to get there but their plan is to meet there at the same time and take them from two different sides very tactful right yeah. um, tactical um, but uh, also very polite tactical. Very, <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's only you know you stick with what the plan yeah. right um, and uh, but he's like no I'm gonna get there and I'm gonna take out Corgus Cole and they'll see that I'm awesome just as awesome yeah, he's as like, Leroy Jenkins <laughs> So he, so he's busting up there, and uh, Corgus sees them from his tower. He sees that, but he sees that it's it's the golden manes and not the the um, hammer hands. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's you're right. So Jackdos gets in there, and both uh, Vandis and Yakdos are fighting Gortide all along the way. Like mm -hmm. they're pressing through, they're killing things. I mean, like miles and miles of pressing forward and killing things and yep. stuff like that. So it's it's not 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 a little bit of death. Yeah, um, and uh, Yaktos makes it through, and before he kind of realizes it, he's in the midst. He's by the the gate of wrath. Yeah. Um, so he mentions how he was he's he'd originally been trying to force his way there, and he thought he was he's doing that. And then once he gets there, he realizes he's been drawn drawn in. Like it's it hasn't all been his doing. It's uh, uh, Corvus Cole is kind of orchestrated to get him pulled in right up there where he needs him. And right next you, to the pyramid. Then you, uh, then you have the duel, uh, the Corgus Cole versus Yaktos Goldmane here. How does Yaktos do? <laughs> Not so great. Um, I think well, this they, is... he, he seems to hold his own for most of it. And yeah. he even has, they say he had an opportunity to kill him. 
Like he knocks him back yeah. on the ground. That's like, right. Yeah, he should have taken yeah, the blow. It's all his hubris. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, and so then he goes back to, to you know, uh, Corgus has had a chance to recover. Yeah. Yaktos goes to kill him, and so he catches him by the wrist. So catch him breaks his wrist, wrist. Breaks his wrist and you know makes the hammer fall. Yeah. And then his axe slices his forearm off yeah. with the other one. So he's a golden, you know, hand or arm just falls to the side. Um, and then uh, um, takes his head. Yeah. And it doesn't describe it. It doesn't say like whatever. It says the axe came down and then, you know, like he lifts his, you know, the headless yep. body falls to the ground. So there's a there's a couple of points here. Um, yeah. In the world that was, specifically in the end time for the world that was, Basically, if you got beheaded, that meant you were done. You were never <laughs> going to come back in the story. Um, so is that, and obviously we, because Cull manages to get hold of Yaktos's head here, we can we we can see, assume that he hasn't been able to be reforged. Now, is that because he's been beheaded? So any Stormcast being beheaded, would, this would happen to, or is it specifically because Cull has got that crazy um, reality warping axe? Because and it then talks about how Yaktos is cut off in the realm of actually between there and and the um, and the the heavenly realms. What do you, what do you guys think? I think it's it's definitely the axe here. It, it makes mention of that. Like not only did he sever his head, he severed his soul uh, with that. Corgus has the has the quote here: "Damnation and horror are yours to endure for eternity," which is pretty heavy. And this is this is the first. I mean, this is big because it's the first time we've seen a Stormcast get a final like mm-hmm. no coming back, not a reforging. Like he's he's dead, dead. And well, and I think in the campaign book, so for this, um, it has some of this story in the campaign book. Um, but it's a it's abbreviated, so these mm-hmm. these books go into more depth, and it talks about the beheading, and then, it, but it doesn't go into the detail of you know what he says and mm-hmm. the axe and stuff, and then a, a Korgorath comes down and bites off somebody else's head, but he does get that that Stormcast does go, so it's it isn't just a beheading because yeah. the Korgorath's eating skulls like crazy, like yeah. they're getting beheaded otherwise, um, but yeah, it's that it's that axe that tears through. Um, reality yeah. um, that has cut off that soul from going back to Azir. Yeah. So not only have we... Have but I asked that. I was thinking the question too. I was like, because I was reading that, I was like, oh, that head came off and he didn't die or he didn't go back to Azir, but then that head came off and it and did. I don't, I'm confused. So, yeah. So, and where does, and where does this leave Nagash? He's like, no, but wait, but wait. Yeah, he's I was mine, finally yeah. going to get one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. but this, so I, this, I, this axe is awesome. It just reminded me of that old... Abraham Lincoln quote where he's like if I had eight hours to cut down a tree I'd spend the first seven and a half hours looking for Corgus Cull's axe (laughs) (laughs) well here's another interesting where they humanize uh, the the bad guys because Corgus when he cuts that when he the body he takes the body away takes the head away that tear in reality is still there yeah like there's still this little tear where he can see the realm of his master Mm mm-hmm and what he wants more than anything is to become a demon prince so that he can enter into that. Mm-hmm. And so this axe that he's been gifted is kind of like um, that corporate ladder <laughs> where you're just like, yeah. you know, if you just do this one more thing, yeah. you get, you know, you know, you can get your own company jet. And, but then he's always getting, you know, so he's cutting people down. He's tearing reality. Yeah. He always sees this it's constant reminder of where he wants to be. It's like, it's like he's looking into Dana Barrett's fridge. <laughs> and then he, he sees all the crazy over in the, uh, yeah, the, uh, 
the demons going around the pit. That's exactly what it's like, actually. If you remember that scene in Ghostbusters, if they, when yeah. when, <laughs> when she opens the refrigerator, that's the, she see the demons are flying around the brass pyramid. I'm, wow. I'm super pumped. We've managed to reference Ghostbusters two episodes in a row now. So, uh. well, technically, it's Ghostbusters two last episode. Wow. So yeah. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. Well, at least they're making another one so that we can have more to reference in the future. Yeah, we're gonna let's, run out let's of not go there. I'll get, I'll get upset. Yeah, <laughs> right. based, based based on some casting decisions, let's not talk about it. Yeah. Fair All right. right, moving on. <laughs> um, so he's 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 taken Yaktos's head, and this is this is what he needs to. This is going to be the capstone for his pyramid. He's got yep. the he's got the uh, skull of an immortal, which is hard to get, and uh, <laughs> an oxymoron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, when you have an axe that can cut reality, I guess you can make your own make your own rules. So. Uh, he's got what he needs. He can go ascend the pyramid here. And uh, meanwhile, chapter 10. I wonder if uh, GW in general is using this axe to retcon. <laughs> uh, Sorry. We, <laughs> we got uh, chapter 10, the deepening storm. Vandis and Ionis reunite, get caught up. They can see way off in the distance. Everyone's like, oh, man. Uh, yeah. Golden Mane just went down, plus all the guys who were with him, and also yeah. Golden Mane didn't get reforged, and that's uh, that's rather dismaying. Yep, and Vandis is like, "Oh, I'm not that important to this destiny." And this, you know, I was fooled. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they in the heat of battle, uh, Ionis and his his crew are joining. Vandis and his crew get there. Mm. They're all fighting. Um, there's other warrior chambers present. Yep. And yep. So yep. there's yeah a couple others that are coming in yep. from the east and the west, and then. Uh, um, Corgus is climbing the skull pyramid and Vandis cannot get there. Yep. He's trying his hardest. Like, and he's, and it, in fact, he's like fighting and he, I don't know if it's again, this, this, this rage, but he's fighting and he's just like, I feel good. Yeah. He's like, I, I, you know, Sigmar's blessed me and I'm, you know, I've got this and he's killing things and he's like, I'm a machine. I'm Sigmar's, you know, um, I'm his storm instrument. Yeah. You know? And then Ionis is like, Hey buddy. <laughs> and he yells and it like, megaphones because of something he somehow was able to megaphone his voice it was he bought he bought he borrowed um loudest <laughs> <laughs> uh and so he uh points to the pyramid and vandis sees uh corgus climbing there um and he tries to get there and he can't um and so ionis um some other power um that i thought only the the knight was it the knight azir Mm-hmm. has or whatever to be able to kind of move a unit oh, using yeah. like a thunder or a sure. tornado hurricane thing yeah. anyway um that's future stuff sorry <laughs> um he's able to call call the sigmar again and a lightning bolt comes down grabs vandis vanishes places him right on the base of the pyramid past like you know hundreds and thousands of of gortide that he would have had to fight through places him down vandis calls up Face me now, coward. <laughs> and the idiot, <laughs> Corgus Cole, doesn't just go, okay, just let me drop this off first. <laughs> let me just place this down here. No. He's like, because, I mean, his his rationale is that if I place this capstone here without having faced that challenge, you know, right before it, yeah, it'll be nothing. Yeah, well, that was my, my first reaction was also like, why would he, and then, but if because, you're... Because what's the matter, McFly? <laughs> Chicken? <laughs> That's exactly what's it's happening. The, it's the corn code. Yeah. No, but for real, like if 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 the guy you're you're if the god that you're devoted to, you can't you can't ascend while denying a challenge. You know. So I I after further reflection, I was, I was a little more okay with it. So. Yeah. 
But I mean, how I would have been just like, all right, drop the skull, become a bloodthirster, which he has a vision of himself becoming in the pain like, of full it or on demon prince, right? Um, and then uh, you know, yeah, uh, hey, what's up now? Yeah, you know, but but then we get uh, Vandis Hammerhand versus Corgus Cole round two fight, <laughs> and it's uh, and Corgus actually Jackdose did better in the hand to hand, kind of like. He, he wasn't getting beat. Like, he was taking blow for blow and, and taking it out. Vandis starts to doubt himself, and he's, you know, like, um, and Corgus, like, jumps down from the pyramid. Mm-hmm. But crazy things, like, uh, lightning comes down and tears through some of the pyramid. Skulls are, you know, avalanching down on some of the Blood Reavers so that it's just Corgus and, and but Vandis. The, and, the, and those skulls get reanimated, though. They're, like, What's up with that? The heck is happening here? It's like Evil Dead or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's exactly what it's like. And so they start fighting though, and uh, you know, he uses Jackdos's head to oh, conk yeah, it was gnarly Vandis, head. Yeah. and he just gets gore in his mouth. He's gonna vomit in his mouth a little bit. He's like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, I, I don't know how practical that is. It's pretty, it's pretty gross. Yeah. So this, uh, this is it's it's really good point though because everyone talks about how Slanesh is missing in the in the mortal realms like oh no it's because Games Workshop wants to make the whole thing a bit more like family friendly it's like no 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 like, you need to read some of the fiction they're putting out here we're talking about one of the main heroes getting his buddy's blood in his face because he's being beaten to death by his head it's not you know there's it's it's not family friendly Saturday morning like, cartoon man. Um, and, uh, so they're, f- he's fighting and then Grizzlemaw leaps up at Vanus and he, you know, puts his arm up, grabs him, you know, like smashes him against something. Um, Corgus is going to come down with an ax blow, a death, death blow. He manages to just, he has an idea he, to avoid this. He r- jumps out of the way. And, oh, by the way, um, Calor- Dracoth, the Dracoth, yeah. what's his name? Kalinax? Kalinax? Anyway, he gets... <laughs> axed in the haunches and so oh, he's yeah. down for most of the ga- yeah. this fight so he's not really in it i mean i'd just be laying there shooting my lightning <laughs> breath <laughs> but nope not not getting that support he's probably sleeping um and so he rolls out of the way and he finds himself he he had found himself being kind of ushered over to the gate of wrath he finds himself he roll does kind of like a barrel roll thing or gets out of the axe <laughs> do a barrel roll <laughs> do a barrel roll oh you got that before me <laughs> <laughs> and uh and he finds himself next to the the gate of wrath, and he has a genius move. He's like, I don't have to, like, I don't have to play this game of, of you know, I have to kill. Mm-hmm. That's not the goal. That's not like killing Cole isn't the end game. And so he prays, Sigmar, strike down your servant, strike down your servant, and lightning bolt comes down like the biggest one. Yeah, like megaton bomb <laughs> lightning bolt. It's had like blinding light, and. um Vandis is gone. Yeah. And we're back to the first chapter. We are. Three, four, Full circle. Um, but what does Ionis witness? Uh, sees the whole gate, gate of wrath is uh, torn asunder, knocked out. Uh, Corgus Cole defeated again, looking. And it's like literally like thousands of years of work that is all crumbling, you know. The pyramid you know, like is when you drop a just... model you've been painting for a while, like it's that times, you know. <laughs> it's like the dude's dominoes. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he just had one more and he was going to knock, you know. But somebody knocked it over yeah. too soon. <laughs> and he was like, "No!" And he's sitting there just pissed. Like his, he is not getting to demon demonhood now. 
Yeah. Just not. It's not happening. Not this way. Not this yeah. way. There's the, he. Um, I know he's got this like skull for a face, but he. Th- when this happened, it just reminded me of um, at the end of every episode of He Man when Skeletor's just like, no, nah! <laughs> it's, it's always gone wrong. Like, <laughs> I'll get yeah. a link to one of those. See if YouTube has a, a version of that. Um, and uh, yeah, so the the gate to to the realm of corn. Uh, mm-hmm. Is closed. Yeah, the Corgus Cole is not dead. Yeah, but his uh, everything he was striving for for demonhood. So that's one less demon prince, you yeah. know, in the world that we know of. Um, and uh, and we got one pissed off mighty lord of corn. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's important to note here: this isn't like the realm of Akshi has been liberated. This is one small part. This is the Brimstone Peninsula. You know, yep. big deal. But uh, well, it's, and it's definitely. I mean. From what we can tell, Corgus Cole is the, I mean, if this were a, a continent mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. he's the, like, overlord. Mm-hmm. And so certainly that defeat is a big deal. Mm-hmm. We don't know how far that spans. Right. Right? We don't We don't have a sense of beyond the Brimstone Peninsula. I mean, obviously a peninsula to us doesn't seem like the world. Yeah. Right? You can't call the world a peninsula. Yeah. But yeah, so it's... Igneous Delta. Yeah. So it seems like it's a it's a huge move, but yeah, we don't know the total effect on the overall campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in the next couple episodes, we'll see what what Sigmar has planned for some of the other realms. Right, exactly. If uh, we'll touch on it a little bit, but if you if you are wanting a little more on the on the realm of fire, actually, we'll talk about this in another episode. But uh, the uh, Black Rift of Claxus. That is set in another part of the realm of fire, and they got some interesting little hooks. Uh, it's really filled with that. And well, uh, if you if you want to know more about the rest of the realm of fire, that's another place you can look. We'll touch on that series another time. We'll be back to actually sometime. Yes. On that note. The Hero Phase. In the Hero Phase, we turn our attention to those of you who want to get started in the Age of Sigmar or share this game with your friends. Okay, guys, so what are we talking about this time? Well, all of us here, we've been playing we've been playing the game for a little while now, at least. Uh, but one thing about the new Age of Sigmar, we got this opportunity for these players who've been playing other games or just want to check it out coming in. And we got to figure out, because uh, you got to spend that time playing the new players, got to grow your community. So how do you how do you go about getting that getting that first game, or how do you how do you approach? Uh, say you've already got it lined up. How do you approach that first game? Yeah, and I've heard um, you know people on Twitter talking about you know maybe their wife or their girlfriend got interested, and so that's a huge opportunity. Or maybe a friend of yours or somebody coming from another game system, and they want to know more about the game. Maybe they heard that you're playing it, and they want to say, "Hey, can I love to get an introductory game? How do you make sure that um, that that game sticks with them? That they have fun?" you know what are the things that are important mm-hmm. and so davy you had a a game with uh somebody trying to get into the yep age of sigmar yep, been, a new guy uh, here played Jason. fantasy way in the past yeah um and tell us about kind of what that was like prepping for that so the interesting thing about getting somebody new this is ultimately it's a social game you're gonna you're committing to spending two three three and a half maybe more hours standing across the table from somebody so it's it's more than just what's on the board, and especially that very first time uh, playing against someone, you gotta you gotta kind of figure out how to make that a good social experience as well as on the table. 
Uh, and so that comes with a lot of pregame communication. We, we talked about that in the first episode, I think, uh, where when you're setting up a game with Age of Sigmar, there's a lot of different ways you could go that communication is important. So, Well, and I think unless you have a regular hobby night or mm-hmm. night out that you're playing yeah. uh, games, you're just trying to set up a game with anybody, yeah. you got to have some conversations. What am yeah. I bringing? What are you bringing? Where are we having it? And yeah. you didn't know this person personally, so probably wasn't at your house. No. Um, but if it's your friend or something your house might be a fun place to go sure so what was your pre-game conversation so you settle on your place and all that sort of thing but when i'm when i'm making that contact i i'm being uh i'm i'm looking for to to pull that information without being an, an interrogator you know so it's like hey you know i was thinking here's a good time for me here's here's a good uh place for me and he says okay how would you think how many how many wounds did you want to play well, as soon as he said, how many wounds do you want to play? That gives me an idea. All right, this is someone who's not maybe working in some of the comp systems. That's not, maybe he's familiar with them. I don't know, but that's not, that's not how he, so, all right, cool. We're, we're a little more out of the box. Gives me a sense for that. Um, I said, well, let's see, I've got these couple of armies. Um, you know, I can, I can do a whole bunch of, uh, of wounds worth of dwarves. I can do a more limited with, um, with my Slanish. And then he comes back and he says, Okay, well, I could do about a hundred wounds. I have a hundred wounds painted up of this of this chaos force, and then you you pick up on that. There, you say, oh well, it's important for him to have painted models, right? Uh, so you're using all these cues to figure out what's the kind of game that this person wants. Uh, and so now I know that he's going kind of wound based, um, and that he uh, the painting is important. So that moves me on to all right. Well, I'm gonna bring my dwarves because I have I have a whole bunch of them painted up, uh, and that way every model I put on the board can be painted. Okay, we're squared away. Um, well, and I think too, I mean, especially first impressions and now this person had some experience with fantasy, they had models. Um, so obviously if you had a couple armies that you could play with, you know, you could pick the painted ones out. Um, but wanting to show them as good a looking game as possible, mm-hmm. if it's a first game out, I mean, not that you couldn't play with great plastic, yeah. but is that the best foot forward kind of right. thing? And actually, uh, saying the best foot forward, that, that makes a lot of sense. Say you got a Say you got a group of folks, you know, five or six people, and you got someone, someone new coming. You want to pitch them that person that you want to try and get them a game with that that person in your group that is, uh, you know, good at that sort of social interaction. Or you know, if if you've got the choice, you don't want to you don't want to throw them to the wolves of the of your hyper competitive uh, player who, you know, maybe people enjoy playing, but you got to get used to you know start start that guy off with someone. Someone uh, a little easier to get along with, maybe I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, which is why we didn't send Eric. Um, hey, <laughs> uh, so get there, get the table set up, and it, it is a good point. So even you know, even if painting wasn't super important to him, I'm probably going to put painted on the table, and then no judgments on if he doesn't. But you know, he did. So we get set up, and we we talk back and forth, and uh, set up. Okay, well, I was thinking about doing this scenario. You, you interested in scenarios? You just want to run them at each other's? Oh, scenarios! I'm excited about. Okay, cool. Well, you know, here's what I'm thinking. So we get there, start setting up, and then, you know, it's. Where'd uh, you guys end up playing? We were over at uh, Misty Mountain over on the east side. So they've so. got a pretty great spot, open, yep. a lot of room. Yeah. Um, and they've quite a bit of terrain mm-hmm. to choose from. Some yep. of it's in different states of, you know. Yeah repair or disrepair but uh, in general you can find a really good selection of good looking terrain yeah it's an important thing so talking about trying to make things look good you've got your painted army that you're trying to make look you know make sure it's a, a good 
positive experience. Which is also great too if you don't have a lot of terrain or space at home, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yep. Find your uh, FLGS and yep. friendly local game store. Use, if there's usually at least one that has good terrain selection and mm-hmm. it's a good place to start. Yep. Uh, and so now we've got a painted army on a board with painted terrain themed. I was able to get there a little early, lay out some uh, lay out some things, make sure we had a you know cool looking board, and then uh, get a little small talk beforehand. Get to know the person rather than like, all right, let's start deploying, let's roll. You know, make sure you got make sure you got time for that game, so you're not rushing through and you know making anyone uncomfortable and uh, getting laid it out. I suppose too. Also thinking about like trying to get a little bit as you have probably through those questions, like, well, what it what is going to make this a good game for them? Is it just running their each of their models through the paces? Is mm-hmm. it I really want to try and I've, I've digested the rules and I've put them all in my head. I really want to try and win this. And so you, are you giving them a super competitive game yeah. or, you know, are they, um, yeah, I mean, is it, are they just looking for the banter? Are they just yeah. looking for the back and forth? Yeah. And this is a, this is a neat thing about the age of Sigmar, uh, system of deployment where so what I did is I just brought all my dwarves, got them sitting in the box and then I can see as I as I'm making that small talk instead of showing up with this is my list this is definitely what I'm going to play, I see okay like are we looking for something super relaxed are we looking for something to really kind of push it uh, tactically all, all that sort of yeah, thing. So you, you had your cheese board ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cheese cheese, bo- cheese board was on the on the bottom layer hidden, so I could try to sucker them into to. Uh, I bet it them. was. Yeah. I bet you had. I bet you had like like a. Like all your badass units covered yeah. by a little layer of foam, seven flame all cannons the, all, all lined up, all, yeah. the f- all the chaff on the top. Like, oh, this is all I brought. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry about. It. <laughs> oh, what did I find? I just here? have gyrocopters. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so, you know, we get we get set up, uh, lay that out, and I'm figuring out. Oh, he's he's good. He's he's interested in the story. Wants to be relaxed about it, and that's the thing is like, I'm gonna go in. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna. Uh, pander to someone or condescend to them and like you know try to try to throw the game but i'm also not gonna bring the the top heat uh because most people can deal with losing most people probably are not having a great time if they're getting flat out tabled so make sure not to you know bring the the hottest heat you can possibly bring so what you're saying though is you you weren't gonna not lose yeah no i (laughs) (laughs) uh not not the intention not going winning. in. So he was going to have fun, but if you had to club him to death while you were doing it, then yeah, yeah, that's yeah. too bad. We'd have a laugh while he uh, splinted his broken bones. No, he. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've tasted I've tasted your tears. Yeah. <laughs> no, one of the things that I mean, Davey, you do really good at is you've uh, you digest rules really well. You've got them really well in your head the way you're calling upon them. It's not that you're. I think you just got a good memory for them. And usually in our games, you're <laughs> reminding me of, uh, you know, what, you know, that sort of thing. And um, so we're, did you feel like you had to, you were spending a lot of time talking about the rules themselves, the order, that sort of thing. I mean, you do really well with that. And do you feel like he appreciated that? Well, so here's, here's the important thing with, and, and uh, Jason was actually real on it with the rules. Like he, we, he, he knew him pretty well, so I didn't have to, but in, in the past with, with, when I'd run into somebody and actually, um, I'm a really good example. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So some, some of the first games Eric had of, of eighth was, uh, he and I playing and you whoever you're, you're, whoever you're playing against, they've read the rules. It's not like it's, I mean, generally speaking, they've, they know something about it. Maybe you're going from a, a totally raw tutorial, but, uh, it's not a good experience. It's not a good learning experience for somebody. If you say, Nope, that's not how it is. It's this way. Trust me. You gotta trust me. I'm right. You know? So, if there's something they say, oh, I, I'm not sure it works like that. You say, 
oh, let's look it up. You know, we got time. You know, let's let's take a look. Or, uh, oh, I thought it was like this, but we can do it. You know, like the be relaxed about I, it. Don't. It's so that's so important. I'd say that there, there is a hundred percent direct correlation between how convinced I am that I know the right answer to a rule and how. 100% wrong I am when I eventually yeah. look it up so yeah. like, you know, the more I'm like no no definitely this way trust me okay well, I'll look it up oh no you're right every single time and it's it's valuable for for me as the quote unquote experienced player here because I may have some incorrect like you're talking about like I, I may be sure I know but maybe Eric and I have been doing it wrong or you know so sure let's take a look let's see maybe let's let's challenge some of my assumptions and then I'm you know I'm maybe learning or seeing a different way of approaching it so and how did uh, any, anything negative happen through that, you know, meeting a stranger and, and playing a game, anything you felt like you would have done differently? No, uh, we were pretty good. Did and perfect. that's not to say that right. it could. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, obviously I'm perfection in every way. So nothing went wrong. <laughs> a lot of experience uh, yeah. working with new. <laughs> yeah, right. Over here. No. Uh, I, so the the thing is to keep your, your own personal expectations kind of kind of wide open and flexible uh, and a, a good way of of making sure that it's a positive experience for the other guys, make sure it's a positive experience for you. And that means uh, trying to figure out what you can get out of that game. So I came to this, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to try and get this new guy on board, make sure he has a good experience. But for me to have a good experience, let's see, I'm going to try out some models I haven't tried before. I've, I've not put my dwarves on the table in the age of Sigmar. I've not tried this scenario that we tried. I've not tried, you know, do some new things and then, uh, and then be receptive to how this other person who has come with their own background, how they're playing. So, fellow put down he put down uh, chaos he put down dark elves and he put down some high elves they're all painted uh similarly they all they all had like a cohesive paint scheme cohesive basing you know you could you could see the story behind it it's something that wouldn't have occurred to me because i have my preconceptions from coming from eighth edition and, and prior uh so but he was him, bringing the cheese board yeah no is is uh <laughs> all you know feta gouda cheddar <laughs> no uh, it, it was, but it was neat to see. Oh, here's here's a different way of constructing an army that I had not thought about, and uh, and you know maybe you've been playing in an environment where they say, oh no, summoning is broken, don't use it. He's like, well, how do you feel about summoning? I'm like, well, let's try it. You got something that summons? Let's try it. Let's give it a shot. And and that was that was me getting to try out things that I have not done much of. Uh, and so I was I was getting some out. I was excited. I was learning new things, seeing new things, and uh, and I think that I think that. Uh, all of a sudden is, is paying off, paying dividends where uh, on the other side of the table, they can tell you're enjoying yourself and so they're going to enjoy themselves. Uh, so yeah. help yourself to help them, I guess. Is what I'm well, I've, I've always appreciated in those first games that you and I played together were great. Um, I want to talk about, you know, one of the first games that I played um, was with Ben Cohn of the Wisco Dice um, podcast. And he's been playing for years. And so, uh, you know, he had me over to his place. We had great, um, great table, great um, terrain, and all that kind of stuff. So it was just it was a really cool setting, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the th the thing that I appreciated was that I had a lot of questions, not about okay necessarily the rules, but why they mattered, mm -hmm. right? And so there'd often be um, I'd be I'd have it to make a choice. Okay, I'm going to move. I have two ideas, maybe of how I want to move this. And so I he was kind of flexible enough. I'd say well. I want to do this and I want to do this. What, what are my things? What, what would make that good for me or what bad for me or whatever? And he wasn't afraid to say, you know, like, well, if you do this, it's going to hurt me a lot more if you do this hmm. and you look down the road. And so it was a lot of just kind of talking through what 
what was possible, mm-hmm. why it was possible, what the what tactic, um, you know, what what I could have maybe done. And he would say, well, but if you do this, you know, and it wasn't again. It was one of my maybe my third game, you know, playing Eighth uh, Edition, um, and it was really helpful to me. Um, and so when I've played games with new players, um, often what I've done is just kind of talk about. They say, okay, I want to move this one, and they move it in some way. And then maybe I talk to them about, well, you know, it can do this and you could do this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I think kind of just pulling the curtain totally back, mm-hmm. you know, yep. not just open list, but open thinking. Yeah. Like, hey, what are you trying to do? Hey, here was what I'm trying yep. to do. Yep. So you're kind of just talking through your thought process, your strategies, um, and and what you hope to do in round, the two rounds down the road. Yeah. So kind of just being really open in the conversation about what you're doing so that it's not catching them off guard, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can think about it and they can respond to it with their, yeah. you know, and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I really appreciated getting into the game was just not being competitive in any way whatsoever. Like mm-hmm. if you, if I give you, if he gave me all of the answers to destroy his entire army, we were still going to have fun because we were just conversing yeah. and talking through it. Yeah. So that was a really cool lesson I learned. It's something I really like to do when I play new games. How would you mind this resonating with you? You got experiences uh, starting people out or, or vice versa? Um, I think from my perspective, um, I don't think I've ever done what you did, Davey, which was to play against a new player, uh, sort of a, a new opponent who was also a new player of the game. So I played against um, guys I know well when we were playing, who were playing the game for the first time, but they would be, for, you know, obviously experienced war gamers because I, I knew them anyway. Or I have um, played other, you know, Experienced war gamers for the for, you know for the first time that I've met them you know for example at a tournament or whatever, um, so everything you guys have said I completely agree with. The only thing I would maybe add to it is, and this is from a from a, a new game perspective rather than a, um, a new opponent uh, at a, at a, a big event, although it has some relevance, is just the importance of letting it slide. You know, mm-hmm. you, some, oh, yeah. a lot of the times, a lot of the times, you there'll be there'll be you know you know measurement. Was it this? Was it that? Or is the dice cocked? All all these things ultimately they don't matter, and it comes back to that called that the most important rule. But that you know it's a, it's a you guys are coming together to have this collaborative storytelling experience yep. rather than you know this is not competitive sport. No one is getting paid loads of money to do it. Um, You're not just. What? Yeah, over it. wait. What? <laughs> um, the you just just let it let it slide. Let it slide because it, ultimately it really doesn't matter. What, what the most you win this game by walking away from the table, smiling. Yeah, by walking away and wanting to walk walk back to it as soon as you possibly can. Like then you know. Yeah. I mean? So, so I mean, I guess we kind of summarize that if you if you've got a new player, you're looking to you know, make that make that early contact and kind of. Get a sense for what they're looking for. Uh, make sure you're addressing not just what's on the table, but like trying to make it a, a positive social experience. Trying to make it a positive experience overall. That's visually so with your models, uh, with your terrain, uh, setting that up. And we'll talk a little bit more about terrain in a second here. Um, well, and I'll, I'll also say too, the more people you can provide that positive experience to, the more options you have for playing games yep. in your schedule. Yep. And you know, we I, I have a pretty busy schedule. And there's times where I've gaps where I was like, oh, I wish I could just fill that. But all I've got is Davey. And he's not as reliable as I want him to be because <laughs> he's also busy. Yeah. But, you know, um, making that enough connections, yeah. uh, you know, enough realm gates 
<laughs> to get to get oh, back I to the see mortal realms. Yeah, there. <laughs> to, to get get your models to the mortal realms and and uh, playing some games. So yeah, forge keep a it, path through the chaos, that kind of stuff. There you go. I mean, keep it keep it fun for you, so it can be fun for the other guy, and and it's gonna it's gonna pay off. So uh, definitely worth doing. And uh, if that helps you out, if you got some ideas of your own for uh, good ways of tips and tricks with you when you got a new player, let us know. We'll pass them on. Um, but for now, we're going to do some talking about that terrain we're, we're doing. We're going to dive into the hobby phase and see, uh, see how we get our table set up. The hobby phase. In the hobby phase, we want to stoke the flames of creativity for the hobbyist and fight shortcuts uh, the, and easy entry points for new gamers. So we're going to talk about hobby in the Age of Sigmar, but also specifically in the realm of Akshi. Now, there have been some uh, some really amazing Age of Sigmar um, terrain pieces that have hit the shelves in mass. Like, mm -hmm. they got a ton out in this the last few months. Um, and I think um, to talk about by far the probably the most popular are the the realm gates the the baleful realm gates um and uh you know did we did we talk about these last episode i don't know but Why i think not? what would be really cool is if you could stick one of the spirit hosts onto them that would look right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yep stole that did that uh <laughs> and then um but then uh, you know the there's a number of other terrain pieces that um, are just really cool um setting that really get us into the new setting yeah, in, in general, with these terrain pieces, you know, one of the things I had mentioned before that I liked about the box set models was the motion in the prosecutors and the blood reavers. And you don't think of you don't think of terrain as having motion, but really, when you look at a realm gate or you look at the uh, dais where they're they're kind of floating and they have they they're dynamic while still being terrain, and I think they've captured it well. And they're like as as a range, it's it's pretty exciting, uh, pretty fun to to look at and. Uh, I say this strictly as somebody who just thinks about doing terrain and lets Eric do all the hard work. Is <laughs> <laughs> the, but the I think there's a, there's real parallels between the terrain they have now and the terrain that they brought out during the Storm of Magic um, kind of campaign when they had the um, what are they called the um, was the, the, the local yeah, the, yeah. So they had the the, the end, the infinity stare, and the yeah, the baleful vortex, uh, the magical fulcrums. That's what they they were called fulcrums in the arcane uh, in fulcrums. The game. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh, so yeah, arcane fulcrums. Yeah, that's right. And the um, and so this they kind of um, yeah, this this is really kind of out there terrain um, that didn't seem to fit properly then, but now, but now because it's all kind of magic based, I think I think it's really good. I like it. Um, yeah. Do you do you guys? So what, which of these have you guys picked up? So I've got uh, the Baleful Realm Greats, and then I've got the... Um, Ophidian Archway. Ophidian Archway, mm. um, which has uh, it's kind of like a broken uh, ruins. Um, it It's made so that it can attach to other... Like if you buy multiple kits, you can build them together. Um, and then it has um, just really cool um, carvings and, and um, I guess, uh, statuesque um, uh, reliefs mm -hmm. in, you know, in the sides that are very characterful and i tell you gw like figured out a hot button for me which is to make things modular or expandable like that that is like my drug so yeah and i think there's other terrain that'll be really launching either by the end of the year or sometime next year that's gonna make this particular style that fits with this the nomulus 
no numinous oculum yep so that's in the same kind of like uh you know broken uh brick and and um stucco kind of uh, facade and those can fit together um and so all that kind of stuff can build these bigger fortresses and you know that sort of stuff which is gonna be really cool um and you know there's there's certainly a cost to the train but like it's not felt like terrible it's not it's felt worth it you know um and then how about you mal have you picked up any of those initial um launches yeah, so i have the yeah i have the uh, a pair of realm gates um built but not painted um and i have the ophidian archway um again which is still regrettably in its box the um i mean as far as terrain goes unless it's unless it's buildings and i'm talking specifically really here about 40k rather than aos i really enjoy building terrain um yeah. you know, it's 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 a for me it's it's a it's a fun thing to do um so i've i i've have tried uh, in the past to do that as much as possible because it, it does it just keeps the cost down and keeps it more flexible um so to talk to a, a specific example of that um i mentioned at the start of the episode that i'd taken part in the armies on parade um competition uh which runs i don't know if it's it the same weekend that you guys have over there in the states I, I, I know every every single store does it the same weekend here i'm almost positive as I, was, I was talking to a fellow here um pj shard he goes by on twitter he was getting ready to head out to milwaukee this uh this past weekend here um so i i would say that it is the same here as as uh, it is for you guys yeah Saturday just gone the 24th um, was Armies on Parade Day um, in the UK and for those of you who are listening who are not familiar with Armies on Parade what it is is um, it's a chance it's a kind of an in-store painting competition run at every GW location on the same day um, of the year and what you do is there are there are almost no restrict um restrictions actually they just say you know it, you can you know, it's ideal ideally you set up your two by two display board and then you throw on some models there that you painted up that you think look cool and you take them down to your local gw score and this is and this is the important bit and i'll come back to this later the people who come into the store that day um cast votes for which they think is the um is their favorite which they like the most and then the um, you know, at the end of the day, you get a, a, a gold, silver, and bronze based on your um, based on on your votes. Oh, it's purely um, on so popular I, vote. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's all right. So yeah, so it's so very very different from um, a, a painting competition per se, which is usually done by a judging panel or, or something like that. So it's, it's really interesting and and and, 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 and I think different and cool because of that. Um, and so you're really looking for almost for the wow factor almost more than anything else and so I decided to just enter my Sons of Medusa Space Marines because I already had them painted um, and I so I, I put my effort into making a, um, a terrain board so what I did is I got a two foot by two foot piece of plywood and then I got some high density um, insulation foam, pink foam that you can get in a, in a hardware store. Do you guys have the same stuff over there? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool. And um, and I so I cut that sort of roughly to shape to make a hill at the back of it, and then just hit it really hard with actually with a, a wire brush. I find is the best way. And I'm sure that, like, there's tur- there's tutorials all over the internet on this. If you just search like um war game terrain making on youtube or google you will find a ton of this stuff yeah you use a similar technique so yeah the wire brush it it works really well doesn't it so i'll i'm interested in hearing how you use it 
Um, I yeah, so I, I just kind of I, I I was trying to make a yeah slightly just a, a low a low hill um, that started off the board if that makes sense and then sloped down to the uh, to the the, 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 the desert floor um, and so I just you know cut cut almost like a rectangular block out and then just just charged it down with the um, with the the wire brush to take the um, to get the majority of the uh, of of the the volume out of it because this this pink insulation foam stuff will just blunt knives if you try and cut through it and and I hate using the hot wire cutter so I just found that just just scrubbing it you know almost like you were just trying to scrub dirt off it worked really well then I hot glued that down onto the onto the plywood um, hit it then with a um, with some black textured paint and it's really important um, again if you're trying this at home do not try and use an aerosol spray can on um, pink insulation foam or any kind of any kind of poly polystyrene foam because it will just it will eat it the chemical reaction it doesn't like it um, it will be like you're being pressure washed by a, a blood geezer <laughs> um, and, uh, so so I hit it with that and then then I used you know it, then I, I then painted the whole thing up with the exact same basing technique that I use on my models, which is GW Armageddon dust um, followed by Seraphim CPF followed by Terminatus stone, um, which is you know and you, you know the rate that you seem to go through those texture pot uh, texture paint pots when you're trying to just paint bases. Well, if you're trying to do a two foot by two foot um, chunk of board, I I I wish like I'd done I'd done twenty five percent of it and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be so expensive. <laughs> so I had it was like six or seven pots of um, oh of god. Armageddon dust just to get it over and then three or four serve from CPI and thankfully only one terminated stone to get it back up highlighted. Uh, or you might have been brush. better off just like buying gold bullion and <laughs> yes. Well, I, yeah, I would yeah. say if you had taken for, just, forge the forge them straight out. Yeah. <laughs> if you would have used just like a black acrylic paint, like from a from a hobby shop or like your your mom's paint, you know, acrylic paint from you know t-shirt stuff. Not that my mom did that. Your okay, mom paints t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then, uh, um, and get that base coat so you can protect the um, foam. And then they do have textured spray paints um, so that you can uh, like lay down big. They look, they look nasty though. Like I, I yeah. know you're. I know you're. Maybe maybe it's only the kind that we have here. But I've, yeah, totally. I've tried UK to use textured them. spray paints yeah. not as cool as uh, U.S. textured spray paint. The fact, right there, fact. Yeah. Um, no. So it's, and, it's yeah, and then and then I and then I and I just dropped some um, static grass tufts on there, and it looked okay. Um, so I thought it looked mm -hmm. pretty good. I was pretty happy with it, and I took it down to the um, to the, the local GW store. Dropped it off first thing in the morning, um, and there was I think maybe six or seven other competitors um <laughs> ranging from yeah, range, yeah ranging from just some real young guys um you know who are maybe 11 12 years old who'd, who'd really had you know had, yeah they i was blown away actually because there's no way i had that many painted models when i was that age really <laughs> through to through to other other guys you know similar, similar age to me who you know ultimately should know better um and and just dropped it off and then came back in at 5.30 to find out how it had gone. And I learned a really valuable lesson, which is that it, it's not... The Army's on Parade, um, it's really not about um, the technical skill level of the painting. I mean, don't get me wrong, like the guys who won, they're, they're well painted. But the most important thing is um is about like the wow factor so the, mm -hmm. the guy that um the guy that ultimately won was the only guy who had um aos models 
which is interesting. And he yes. had all he had the um, um, hammers of Sigmar, um, uh, Stormcast Eternals, and he and he had I think all the all the releases. He had some of every model. He had the Celestine Prime all really nicely painted up. He had um, the the new the new um, Prosecutor Knights. He had and he also had and this is where I'm going with this. Um, the terrains. You had a, a numinous oculum. You had a Fidian archway. Holy he had God. all that stuff. It was really, and he painted it really nicely. And he had a, and his. Um, he didn't have a sort of custom made board, but he had a um, some like one of the realm of, realm of battle tiles. boards. Uh-huh. Yeah, flat realm of battle tile, and he painted it up to match his basing. Painted it up to match his terrain, and it looked really, really nice. And it was, and it was the wow factor. You looked at it, and you're like, that's something I haven't seen before. It's very cool. It's very interesting. The one of the other guys who who did well in the competition, um, he had uh, just. It was amazing. It looked like the uh, the parking lot of the Ultramarines, um, <laughs> uh, like homeworld. There's like so many awesome tanks, and they were really nicely painted, uh, and it was just. But he had a couple of bane blades that were at least like, you know huge big models of some forge world stuff that you don't see and I and I def I saw a couple of people looking at me like wow that's amazing I'm going to vote for that because it has these cool models that you don't normally you don't normally pick up and um, and, and so valuable lesson learned if you want to do well in armies on parade it's all about um, it's about you know having having something that catches the eye rather than something that is super technically well painted um, so it was uh, you know. I, I, I I had a great time actually, and and the most important thing for me was that um, it kind of I was I'd been in a hobby slump for a while, and getting the, making some terrain, which is something that I hadn't done for a couple of months, really kind of g'd me up and made me want to paint some miniatures again. So uh, it, it comes back to if you um, if you are everyone everyone goes in peaks and troughs when it comes to painting models. Well, that's if you, well, I was gonna go say on. is that I mean that's what hit me is I had a time where I couldn't. In the last couple of months where I couldn't paint that much. I didn't have the time to sit down and just pay attention and get the detail in. So I had like 10 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time. And I really wanted to get more terrain on the table. And I, what was, what I did is I actually found a, um, a tutorial online about making terrain fast and dirty. Um, and what they basically did is, so this is what I did. So I took some blocks of pink foam, like you talked about, and um, make I was first step was just kind of like make a basic hill, and maybe being able to stack them, you know, kind of like uh, you know cake type stuff. And I took you know cut out a square with a blade or a rectangle, and then I stabbed a bunch of holes around the outside in an irregular pattern, kind of whatever shape I was looking for. And then I just ripped off the corners, and the break okay. of it was very natural. Kind of felt a little, you know, it's not like super natural but like a little more than you know carving it and like you said a hot foam knife leaves a weird wavy pattern to it you know so this just kind of broke and it was raw and you know and the and the raw pieces were stipply and that sort of stuff and cool veinage and that sort of stuff and then i took um and i experimented a little bit with the top surfaces so i didn't try and make them wavy i left them flat because again we you Mm -hmm. also want it playable so you want to be able to stick your model up on there um but i tried a couple of different things i took a um uh the wire brush or whatever. And I tried smashing it down. Here's an area I was able to get my son involved in. I was like, Hey buddy, come help me with some terrain. And he's three. Right. And so what is that going to be like? So I said, here, smash this with a a wire (laughs) brush. And so he was just kind of coming down on it. And so don't do this anywhere else in the house. (laughs) So it was like putting little divots in, in textures into it. And then a couple of them, I, um, put some, ran some grooves. And so a couple of my tiled, 
you know, so I had the tile and then another one, I just tried like cracks and veins and that sort of thing to kind of give it some things. So I, you know, experimented with a few of those and then black acrylic base coat and then a, you know, a lighter gray dry brush over all of it. And to the point of, I mean, our first, the first place we get to see in Age of Sigmar is, is Ashy. And so I'm thinking an ashy, you know, black, you know, I felt like that was perfect. And I actually did a lot of my um, other terrain, like so my, my, um, Ophidian Archway and my Realm Gates are also kind of base black with a gray dry brush. I usually, I did two layers of gray so I could hit those high points and then a little bit of white. But, um, and so that was really what I tried to do um, to get a table that looked really cool, had a lot of stuff on it. Um, now I've got a few other things. So I've generally kept my grassy hills off of my Akshi board, which we have a lot of grassy hills, right, from, from other games we've played. Um, and so having these as hills that were just black and ashen and maybe like stone and that sort of thing, carved stone even. Um, and then um, where I've, you know, I'm struggling a little bit with buildings. So then the next thing I did um, is I, and, and foam core isn't great. Like, so your little like three millimeter or six millimeter like uh, foam board that you might get at a... Right. It's hard store. to cut it cleanly. Yeah, it's it's not easy to cut it super clean. You got to get a really um, shallow angle on it or whatever, or a, whatever. Um, but I, and it's not great as a base. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people use MDF, but it's I'm actually finding it hard to find time to cut MD, my, the MDF I do have up into bases for things, and I really want to find time to do it so it's nice and sturdy and takes things well. But so I just use that. The problem is, is when you put start putting um, glue on it and stuff to put texture and, and, and um, basalt down and stuff like that and, and uh, rocks, it bends and warps. Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, but I just used it. I cut some irregular pieces and I cut some flat pieces and made walls, like two walls in a, in a corner kind of thing. And then I laid down popsicle sticks for like boards, like floorboards. And then I just threw gravel all over it, you know, and stuff like that. And then I black based it. And, and dry brushed it, and then when it warped, I just bent it back down <laughs> so it was flat. Um, but just for burnt-out buildings and that sort of stuff. So those are a couple of things that I did to just build up, like, what would the what would actually be like? Now, that was just me, like, thinking about the burnt side of things. Mm -hmm. um, if you do um, follow me on Twitter, at um, StoneMonkGamer, I had a really good conversation with um, uh, at Blue, the Blue Heretic um, about kind of what would the realm of actually be like, right? What would exist in a fire realm? What kind of vegetation and that sort of stuff? And Davey, you said you read some that kind of hinted at. Yeah, so uh, I, we didn't really mention it when we were going over the, the uh, Warstorm segment, but they make mention of a, a, of a forest there, and they make mention of snow-capped mountains with this kind of oily black clouds hanging over it. But if you, if you read the Black Rift of Claxus series, uh, they're talking about the crater cities and the ashen jungle. So there's there's a lot of room for expanding beyond. Uh, it, it's not all just this burnt out wasteland. You know, you you have vegetation. It's talking about these root systems. Yeah, exactly. Root systems going over. So you and you can think of that realm of fire like a real hot, humid jungle area. So uh, there's a whole lot of whole lot of room to to explore in that in that realm. These realms are enormous, and you can do that. What's what's cool is that. <clears throat> like you've done here uh, on your table, Eric, we'll turn around and just look at it right here, but we've, it's real cohesive looking 
you know that's that's the fun thing about working on your terrain if you can if you can get a board that you know looks good together that's something that you're going to be using using regularly and so you just have to kind of imagine that out and figure out how you're going to add, add some additional pieces so so we got ourselves an Axie board back here, Realm of Fire. Mal, you got any experience putting a table together, doing a co cohesive terrain set? Yeah, I, I, I do actually. I have um, uh, a kind of jungly forest kind of uh, board, but I think we will uh, save that for when we talk about Giran, the Realm of Life. Solid. No, that's cool. I'm excited to hear about your table and how you put that together. So smooth, so flawless. So, yeah, it's, you know, for a hobby, you know, getting a table together to make your the story that you're telling with your models, what you're playing your games with, either new players or old players, uh, friends and family, um, you know, having a, a cool table to, to look at and to play on certainly helps kind of the, the experience. I think one interesting thing, if you don't have a lot of terrain, if you do have that at-home table, sort of when you took, talk about investment of time or money, you know, a particular unit you might not use that in every every game, but if you're if you get your base set of of uh, terrain there built up, then that terrain piece you may use that in almost every game you play. So well, I've yeah. been sticking Nagash on the table, like hovering <laughs> yeah. over things, even though I'm not using Nagash. He still Nagash is hangs terrain, out on the table. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dra drape a toe over. Him. Yeah, it's my mountain. Yeah, I, uh, I keep that's saying Karak One Peak. It's it's also my uh, my my nuclear option yeah yeah in case uh, i'm getting beat too badly and <laughs> i roll a dice and then i can bring him in totally right <laughs> nice yeah this is this is I, I i i can look it up if you want but definitely if i roll um a two plus i get the gash <laughs> two plus nice speaking of things that definitely happen all the time on the table let's uh let's kick it over to you guys ready for the uh campaign fix here let's do it all right The Campaign Phase. In the Campaign Phase, we explore how the plastic hits the table. Rules, scenarios, new tactics, and narrative campaigns. So obviously, today we're looking at the Realm of Akshi, specifically what's going on in the, in the campaign. We talked about when we were going through the story phase, some of the scenarios that are involved there, so how you can tie in. And then, uh, more crucially, the Time of War, uh, which... There one exists for the Brimstone Peninsula specifically. Yeah, so if you are playing uh, in the Brimstone Peninsula in Akshi, there is a time of war that you can find. Um, you can probably look it up online, um, but it's in the Mighty Battles uh, campaign book, the first campaign book that came out. Most all these are. so, um, And it's really cool. Add some flavor to the game, but uh, as Davey will tell you later, isn't too much to remember. So here's the few things to, that it does come with. Um, so there's fla flaming missiles is one of the rules. So if you are have a, a unit that shoots arrows, um, anything, um, in mid-flight it catches fire because it is so hot out. And so then it's a flaming arrow. And so you re-roll wound rolls of one for missile um, if the, the target is more than 12 inches away. So there's some distance on it for them to catch fire. So it's kind of a new, new thing. Um, and then there's clouds of smoke and steam. So terrain features all are kind of, uh, you know, steam is rising from them. So they're kind of that, that infinity, infinitely tall, uh, it blocks line of sight. Um, so, um, anything on the other side of a, um, a terrain feature is blocked from view. Um, all wizards have a fireball spell and the fireball spell essentially 
plays out a whole lot like the arcane bolt except it scales for size so so if you hit one person it does um one mortal wound up one to mortal nine wound. d3 and uh any more than that d6 so you got yourself another. so it's a scalable yeah. kind of area effect which is yeah. which is really cool um the size of the target determines the strength of the the um so which means that it's going to do more damage against hordes yep. than it will against a a, a single unit or a single model. And then geysers of boiling blood. Um, so at the beginning of uh, setup, each player gets to set up three points where there's a geyser. So this can be really tactical. Yeah. It can be kind of cool and fun to take if there's an obvious line of, um, of, of path to go down. You can set these up. Um, and then uh, at the start of each uh, hero phase, um, so there's six on the table, yeah. right? And so... Um, you uh, roll to see which one uh, which one goes up. off so one through six and uh, then the any unit within six inches suffers d3 um, and then if you have a priest if if you have a priest of corn you can, he can manipulate roll he can he can add, add one, one or, or subtract, subtract one, one. so it's it a nice little use. yeah you know, that's cool and that, I mean Corgus at one of the in the first story um, kind of manipulates the rock and the earth of yeah. actually because you know he's Soaked it with enough blood geysers. So this is the first time of war that we've really looked at here, and and what I like is it's it's minor tweaks. You've got you've got it gives a little to shooting with the long distance shooting has a better chance of wounding and takes a little away with the blocking line of sight. So balances out there. You've got something that affects everyone equally with the geysers going off, uh, and then a little a little goose for the the. Uh, uh, from the priest of corn, you know, just just something, but it, it doesn't it doesn't outright change everything about it um and uh mal have you played with this uh with this at all i have yeah i I enjoyed it i think the um the the important thing about um the time of war rules or particularly particularly the storm of sigmar one actually rather than the particular brimstone peninsula Mm -hmm. set is that they can be depending on the army that you have they can they, they can sometimes weight it almost unfairly so like it's a it's a kind of um, even though it says it's discretionary to play with it can you can give you a bump so for example the storm of sigmar rules really really help you out if you're playing stormcast internals mm-hmm. um, and they don't they don't really give you much they don't give your opponent much else so I think you just need to be whilst they're a lot of fun it goes back to what we we're talking about in the uh, in the hero phase. That you you want to just make sure that if you want if you're going to play these rules that your opponent's cool with it because it may end up being um, you know um, asymmetric in terms of how the the, uh, the the boons that it gives. Sure, might need a little planning. Well, and I think and there's a few of the times of war that are in the first couple campaign books that do have specific stormcast and specific chaos rules mm-hmm. um, that span whatever realm that they're in, and I think they're probably a little bit different. Um, but, uh, but the ones that we described as far as like the flaming missiles are definitely the unique to, you know, actually, um, and, and, uh, just add again, set flavor of, of what's in the table, what's in the air. So I'll only make one, uh, uh, one comment based on my, my play with this. We had, uh, those blood geysers going off. I had my dwarves coming running on from the edge. I had a, uh, dragon slayer is Gearing, getting ready to run down a giant, you know, see what he could do, and uh, the route he needed to take stopped him by a blood gla- blood geyser, and it uh, fired off on him two hero phases in a row where I didn't get to move him. 
max wounds both times smoked him before he got to do anything so just, <laughs> we decided the dragon slayer like come sprinting on from the board ran right down like a, a big old pit with was uh just a blood geyser shooting out of so which i think uh, one of those uh the arcane fulcrum uh that has the kind of oh, the tornado, tornado yeah. would be a really awesome model to have for yeah, yeah. uh the, the place it down for actually to have kind of this blood geyser going up uh so that'd be kind of cool if you wanted some terrain to show where things were happening so, so why don't we talk about the the first there's three scenarios mm -hmm. that are covered um that match with the story we told earlier mm -hmm. um those three are um hold or die mm -hmm. the watchtower and the ritual yep so davy you played um Hold or die. I did, and this is the same scenario that I got to play with the Brimstone Peninsula Time of War. Um, basically, this scenario has a core group that's sitting in the middle. You have uh, it has to be half the size of, of their reinforcements. You take your the one side has split their army into two pieces with a small group that must survive, and then reinforcements coming on. Uh, those guys are called the Invader, and then there's the Custodian who is uh, garden against that um, so you have your your group that is in its uh, last stand sort of position waiting for its reinforcements to arrive they're surrounded by the enemy and they have some little buffs to help them out like they, in the story this is yaktos and his hammer hands uh i think actually this might when vandis gets a uh, it could be um actually you might be right it's kind of represented twice because you also have vandis when vandis overextends sure. and needs to survive so either uh either one of those uh, plays out uh the victory conditions are that everyone has to, you have to wipe out all the starting models from the other side. So the custodian, the one that is surrounding, has an advantage in that they only have basically a third of the models that uh, they have to wipe out for that victory condition. And in order to try to balance that out, that invader, the one who's uh, isolated, they have some bonuses where if they put down a totem, they can be immune to battle shock as long as that totem is alive. Uh, if they... Uh, their command ability allows them to reroll saves, uh, which is a pretty powerful one, uh, and they get to pick the point that they're going to defend and where their where their forces come on. So, uh, Mal, you played this one, is that correct? Yeah, I have. Um, I played it with my buddy Ewan, and I don't, let me, I'm just looking at my notes. I wrote at the time we played Stormcast Eternals versus Corn, mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I kind of uh, got my. Um, I played the Stormcast Eternals. I had them set up right in the corner of the board to to maximize this, to make sure I had like at least one turn of shooting because mm -hmm. I was using, um, I had some uh, uh, bow and arrow guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, and the, um, the, the Celestine on foot with his... Um, Hammer cloak. With his uh, hammer cloak, yeah, it's so badass. For so not he, being a Stormcast fan, uh, you sure know a little bit about those Stormcasts. Know the enemy. <laughs> yeah, busted, busted. Um, you get a tattoo next. Uh, so yeah, so I had the judicators um, with their with their bows and, and the, so the flaming missile missile special we talked about before. It worked kind of okay. Um, the cell on the foot um, with the hammer cloud is brutal. It, I mean, it is so good. Um, you know, he killed Corgos Cull really quickly. Um, 
Um, you know, so well, no, he I got got him from the adjudicators and the sh- and the shock bolt blow and the hammer cloud. Cogus Cull went from like six to wounds to one wound and just went one turn, and then I got the double shift. So so I think Ewan went first and then I went second and then I got the first turn on the second or first go on the on the second turn. Yeah. So essentially double shooting before he could get anywhere, which was just critical, um, and. Then you know when I managed to get my guys my reinforcements on from the table edge, um, I made a big mistake with my placement and went to try and assassinate Carlos Cole, who ultimately had died in the shooting phase, which meant I had all these guys out of out of out of um, uh, position. Yeah, they would have been better served as a meat shield for the adjudicators rather than trying to sort of do this kind of flanking move. Um, what else happened? Uh, yeah, I just think the shooting with shooting in in Age of Sigmar troops that can shoot um, because they can do it in close combat as as well. Or, or the shooting they can shoot in close combat before they then fight in close combat. It's huge. Um, it, it, it it was really good. Um, but I eventually kind of felt the 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 pain of not have not taking the leadership ability, which renders you immune to battle shock within twenty four inches, which mm-hmm. you need to have the cells not the Drake off for. Oh yeah, and and, and battle shock cost me, you know, even as strong cast Eternals, which kind of pissed me off because I look at them and I think you guys should have, and they shall know no fear, which yeah. for forty k players is a you know is a, is a space, space marine rule, sure. um, and the. Uh, yeah, what else? The, the, in terms of actually specific to that scenario not not too much i just reinforces me how much i hate um threx um <laughs> the uh with his, with his crazy totem i mean he makes he makes reaver you know if you if you've got enough blood reavers and you've got threx the the synergies in that core army are crazy um they, they they work really well, and I eventually I think I eventually won um, by by uh, by killing the Blood Warriors. But it was a very close game. Uh, yeah. It was good fun though, good fun. Now now for me, I was running dwarves versus the the, the Chaos Force. It was actually this against the the new player, and um, I didn't have I didn't have heavy shooting in my in my initial holdout force, and so I made the mistake because you get to if you're the invader, you get to pick who has the first turn. I passed it to the other guy. I passed it to Jason, hoping that I would get the double turn. Well, by giving him first turn, it meant that I had not activated any of my command abilities. Anything that happened in the hero phase hadn't happened. So I didn't have those re-rollable saves on the first turn, and I took oh. some pretty heavy... Yeah, it was yeah. Like a giant got in and killed a whole unit of 10 dwarves in one one combat. It was gnarly. He was, he was head-butting dwarves, which was hard to quite picture, you know. Painting up my giant next. <laughs> so it was... Uh, I think that was a that was a big mistake, and then uh, I I don't know how you felt. Uh, I guess I guess you won yours. I, it felt a little uh, lopsided for us in in favor of the uh, the force that wasn't starting with part of its uh, guys off the board. But I I don't think yeah. I selected very well as far as my as my army went. I think if I had uh, thought a little bit harder, were you uh, able to get your hold on long enough for your reinforcements to come? Yeah, so they arrive at the at the uh, the movement phase of your second turn. So they definitely arrived, uh, but I couldn't make a big enough. I failed some crucial charges, and uh, my opening round of cannon fire was was all misses. I was excited to finally finally fire a cannon in Age of Sigmar, but I think uh, I think I didn't pick great forces, and then I was using doors for the first time, so I didn't. Uh, I was discovering what they did on the fly, and uh, uh, some often to my detriment, as it turned out. Actually, Jason was uh, towards the end pulling his punches, which was uh, <laughs> I was like, hey, why isn't that char- guy charging? He's like, well, I, you know, I think it would be over. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> new guy's pulling his punches on me. All right, cool. So, um, 
Yeah, so I, it was interesting to see. I've, I've gotten used to trying to make sure you get that double turn, but there it was like, oh, it actually might have been useful to try and snag that first turn. So it's so it's a cool lopsided scenario. It yep. gives you kind of a um, you're on your back foot. Yeah. Um, but if you pick the right, you know, pick the right units to put in the middle to hold off long enough for those reinforcements to come and make sure those reinforcements can move a little bit. I think I think it definitely takes a, a fair amount of thinking in advance about how you're going to set that up. Like a, it, you can. Um, to give yourself a fighting chance as the as the invader, you really need to put some thought into it before the before the first uh, round starts. There, another good reason to have a chat ahead of time and know what, yep. what you're going to play exactly. and, and what you're going to bring. So, second scenario, yep, uh, was uh, Watchtower. Watchtower, no. um, a name that we're familiar with from Eighth Edition, yep. which a lot of people didn't didn't like for. that yep. um, scenario. Um, you guys, bo- did you both play this, or was this a scenario you? No, I think this is Mel only, right, Mel? Uh, yeah, I played this one. Um, so what's the so what's the setup of that? What's uh, different about that than from? Okay, so essentially you just have a a a, a tower or a building in the centre of the board, um, and it is occupied by a number. So again, it's the same deal. You have the invader and the defender, and some of the defenders models start inside the watchtower in the middle of the board and the rest of them start on the um on the defender's board edge um and then the the deal is that you the the way that you win the game is by i think it's turn four or five um the 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 side that has the most models actually inside the watchtower at the end of at the end of the that turn wins the um wins the game so what do we do? We had some ruined um, scenery pieces, which made a pretty good watchtower. Uh, Ewan was playing the Guardians again with the with the uh, the Bloodbound, uh, essentially his same list as his last game, but he added a Bloodstoker, um, you know, the the, the Rancor Keeper, yep. um, in as well. And I added a Lord Castellant and a Griffhound. Um, now, so this is if you remember when we talked about this um, earlier in the show, the and we talked about. Um, uh, Ionist calling out the uh, literally calling out the bloodbound by you know um, saying they were chicken. They came outside and started to fight. The the invaders um, has a command ability which lure, essentially does that lures out the enemy. Um, and you, I, I'm just checking my notes here. Actually, the victory conditions are the most people in the tower after turn three. That's crazy. Um, so it's even faster. But so I try. What I try to do is use um, use Ionis to. Uh, um, to call out the uh, call out the the, the bloodbound, but it didn't work. Like I, I, can't, I forget exactly the rule. I mean, it's not that important, but basically, it it didn't work. Um, couldn't get them out, so I had to go in and prize them out, sort of hand to hand. Takeaways for me: uh, the the Lord, anything in this game, anything that gives you automatic mortal wounds or gets a good chance of dealing mortal wounds like for example the hammer cloak we talked about and in this instance the Lord Castellan with his lantern is a badass so it's just like no ifs, no buts lose a mortal wound, thanks very much mm-hmm. um, and the, the, the Castellan's pretty handy in close combat too um, I recall the Griffhound didn't do very much mainly because he sort of couldn't get into combat because there's not a lot of space inside the tower Um and what so what did I do? Yeah, I used I used the um, the Lord Castellant with his mortal wounds um, and, and also the, um, the, the the hammer cloak to, just to get rid of Threx um, again, just so that because I hate him. Um, so the Judicators and the Celestant with his war cloak um, really really good there. Um, and then so once 
and this is again the key, the next takeaway was that once you get rid of Threx and the Blood Reavers aren't getting their synergies and their buffs anymore, they're so weak. Um, <laughs> and you then you can then get rid of a load of them in a turn, and then battle because they're not getting immunity to battle shock. If you start battle shocking those guys because they have a low bravery, then they are screwed. So you can you can you can get rid of. I think you know at one point I got rid of I think. 12 yeah 12 guys in one round of combat which is amazing mm. um now it was a kind of a more lopsided win for me this time but i think that was definitely down to some very bad rules for corgus cole and also the corgarath um i would be very interested to sort of retrospectively comp those armies and see what see what they came out as sure. um yeah do you know what I mean? To see yeah, how, no, how lopsided it really was. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, you know, it felt okay at the time. But we had fun. You know, it was the most the most the the, the most enjoyable part about it. But um, it was yeah, it did feel lopsided. Um, but you know, Ewan enjoyed himself. So well, at least I, I think he did. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. So good. It was. I mean, it's 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 a fun a fun scenario having played it i think once in eighth edition um yeah it's, it's completely different because you know, you've got the ability to maneuver you know, as individuals I, I mean what do you i mean you guys didn't play it yet so listening to my kind of ramble about it how do you how do you feel is it something you want to have a shot at yeah definitely definitely take a try at it and uh, i think it's cool because you get to have a centerpiece a terrain centerpiece you know tie back then if you've done something cool that fits as a watchtower you get to really showcase that for a game so i think we'll uh We'll definitely have to put that on tap for a future game here. Yeah, awesome. I, I'm. I would love to play every scenario, you know. So it's just finding the time. But yeah. uh, no, I'm really glad that it got got its due in Age of Sigmar, and I hope it. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's a it's a a game that we want to go back to. Mm-hmm. So in the Brimstone Peninsula, when they moved on from the Watchtower, their next scenario was the Ritual, and this was represented in the book by uh, the Red Pyramid. Corgus Cole trying to complete his ritual, get that uh, taken care of, and uh, and the Stormcast trying to stop him. So Eric and I did play this one. Um, Mal, did you play this? Nope. No, okay. no, I am all ears. All right. So at its core, this has basically got a built-in timer to it. Each turn, there's a dice getting rolled and adding up. It's got to get up to 20, and that dice roll can be manipulated by who's close enough to this <clears throat> to this ritual site uh priests on either side can influence that uh in favor of their particular side when you're coming right out of the box set the uh bloodbound do not have a priest but the uh stormcast do they have ionis cryptborn and that certainly came into play for ours we played uh basically the box set versus the box set with the stormcast having one additional liberator courtesy of white dwarf free miniature <laughs> yeah no it totally made it lopsided yeah that's that's my excuse so uh no, uh, yeah, this isn't this isn't a starter set uh, scenario <laughs> yeah. anymore, buddy. You can't keep using that excuse. Uh, so that was that was our setup. The um, the stormcast need to get their general into contact. They need to, he needs to be sitting there to disrupt the ritual, basically. So you, you're trying to get your general over, and once your general goes down, you can have one backup hero take care. So and uh, we did we had one realm gate. Yep. Um, do we just no? Do we use both? Wait, of them? We had two realm gates. Okay, We're yep. using the realm gate rules where you come on from the table. Yeah. Engine. So we just gotten those yep. and thought it'd be fun to use those. Obviously, to be clear to this scenario, probably only have should only had one. But anyway, um, uh, initially, what I did. Um, so you were kind of clumped around the the ritual, you know, form a big old meat wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
through. I think I tra- teleported through the realm gate uh, unit of uh, um, liberators. Mm-hmm. Kind of got them to the back. Yeah. My plan was to kind of get them back there, create some space so I could put the Lord Celestine over there. Yeah. Um, and so they came in kind of on a, a opposite uh, corner than what my force was set up on. Then I proceeded to move everybody else on like foot, s- on foot, yeah. <laughs> six inches <laughs> forward, four inches forward for the Ionis and the and the retributors. Discovered just how slow retributors and Ionis could be, <laughs> especially if they kept rolling ones and twos for their run. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't super speedy getting back past there, um, and I uh, kept. My Lord Selston, I kept hovering because I was like, do I want to send him through a realm gate? Because on a one, he's dead. Yeah. Right? And I don't think I had Ionis no, close Ionis enough. No, Ionis had committed farther forward at that yep. point. So. And so I was like, okay, do I yeah. do I do it? And so I was kind of, I think I'd take him up and then brought him back, whatever. Yeah. Ended up uh, teleporting him forward. Yep, risking him. Uh, risking him. And he got up there. But on the opposite side that my, my uh, uh, liberators had gotten on, uh, yeah. rather than getting him right behind there, um, had some battles in the middle. Yeah, sucked you out into my my liberators and stuff, and then it really came down to to didn't it come down to uh, Vandis and and yeah. Corgus? So uh, Vandis hops in, and I managed to jump him with uh, the full unit of Blood mm-hmm. Reavers. Yeah. I'd managed to stack up uh, stack up all kinds of you know the Blood Secretor you were talking about. The Threx Skull Brand had max bonus them. I also used the Blood Stoker on them, so they're rerolling some extra stuff there, and they had Mystical Terrain Piece, which is rerolling wounds so they they threw the house at him uh and he had to go scamper back to ionis to get healing and then go back in but in this in this game basically uh we learned that a lord celestin on dracoth is pretty badass because he took down all the blood reavers all the blood warriors took down corgus cole and most of the uh corgrath before the corgrath got him and uh i think liberators didn't my liberators take on the core liberators finally finished out the corgrath he he was down to just one wound left by the time uh he staggered away from killing uh yeah i i think yeah i was rolling pretty lucky with with the lord celestine there i mean it is vandis yeah he was bringing some heat uh Uh, and so uh but yeah but we had a we had a almost total wipeout uh bloodbound were wiped off and then all that was left on the uh stormcast side was the relictor and and two retributors Blood but bath. that was uh that was all they needed to, so to in step that, it up. that end who was who was happier yeah, sigmar corn. or corn yeah corn <laughs> cares now from whence the blood flows uh but so it was interesting you had this clock ticking uh for us because there was only the priest on the one side we actually played on a slightly smaller board uh it never felt like there was a huge amount of pressure from my side but maybe it was different from you it was cool to you know what would be a cool addition to this uh scenario a slaughter priest <laughs> <laughs> would to be so this is representing uh corgus going up to put his capstone on right yeah, yeah. would be cool if there was some scenario like in turn five or something like that on each kind of a thing where you could roll yeah and um i guess i suppose it's if he completes the ritual yeah but i mean on something where he could cap it and become a a demon prince sure just instead like of ending the game it. have it have him just become a demon prince and, see and then how it plays <laughs> out sure yeah but uh so we had a good time of it i thought it was cool to have that uh it, at the outset i thought it was going to be tough on the stormcast because they were gonna have to get all the way across the board and get the general in contact but uh uh it'd be interesting to play with some other forces and see how it plays out so any thoughts on that mal or we get that pretty well covered yeah, no, it, uh, it's thorough. Um, I definitely want to give it a shot. I think the um, yeah, it's interesting. Whether you how what you could do, could you change it so that if um, 
if the chaos player like starts out or the, the the defender starts out a little bit more weak, but then if they manage to to do something, they do get to you know bring on obviously in the Bloodbound's case, you know, a, a demon prince or I don't know, but you know that's the sort of thing. That's you know, play around with it, do whatever you feel is fun because ultimately you know um, it is there for you to experiment with. Awesome. So that is our first Akshi episode. Yeah. Uh, and we will revisit this realm. But before that, we'll probably go on to some other realms. Um, and you can, we, you can probably be looking forward to, we'll take a look at Realm of Life, Realm of Metal have been explored at this point uh, to some extent. Shamoud! Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we thought it only fitting to quote one of our uh, favorite podcasts that is uh, no longer with us. Uh, so why don't you take us away, Mal? If you, if you can't stand the heat, stay, stay out, out of the realm, realm of fire. fire. <laughs> That's a wrap, guys. Our time has expired, and it's time for our reforging. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mortal Realms Podcast. If you know someone who's curious about Age of Sigmar, tell them about this podcast. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, Mal is at Mortal Realms, Davey is at Red underscore Zeke, and Eric is at Stone Monk Gamer. For Sigmar! For Sigmar! Blood for the Blood God. All right, guys, it's a wrap. Mal, terribly sorry for keeping you up so late. No, 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 no. It was, was really long. fun. I just saw the uh, I just saw the tweet that you sent out. You guys, it's looking pretty professional back there. That, <laughs> yeah, like, right. Totally. There's, there's yeah, no, no. Seriously, there's like laptops and and microphones. <laughs> I'm I'm actually I'm sitting here in my PJs. <laughs> cool. Um, nice. That's so, good visual. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> no, are, are they are they Angry Bird PJs? <laughs> Uh, it's actually a baby doll. No. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, you're breaking up now. You're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> time to go, time to go.